Are you ready to be financially stable? Are you ready to have that perfect credit score? Are you ready to start your dream business? If you answered yes to any of the questions, then you're ready for the Dagger Squad. Dagger Squad Inc. provides professional services, including credit repair. Dagger Squad Inc. specializes in the removal of negatives in the form of late payments, collection accounts, student loans, bankruptcy, judgments, and much more, holding the unofficial record of 26 deletions off of one report. After cleaning up your credit score, you might be interested in boosting it. Dagger Squad can help with the purchase of trade lines. Also referred to as authorized users, trade lines are aged lines of credit used to boost credit scores by piggybacking off of the account in good standing. We've sold lines from Citibank, Chase, and Capital One, just to name a few. We also have the Z Black Card, the top prepaid rewards card that pays you for referring friends and family. Unlike other prepaid cards, the Z Black Card isn't loaded with fees. Why should you have to pay to add or remove your money? Here at the Dagger Squad, we believe in no monthly fees, no load or withdrawal fees, no transfer or balance inquiry fees, and the list goes on. You may also be interested in our student loan debt removal service. If you're tired of paying loans with extremely high interest rates for $1,500, you can eliminate it forever. That's right, forever. forever. Using accounting principles along with the consumer protection laws, we can put an end to your student loan. With our help, you can even become an official government contractor. Purchase products for the government. Price the product with a 20% margin included. Locate a supplier for a specific product. Then track supplier shipment. Dagger Squad Inc. guarantees 100% success as clients are assisted by top business professionals such as Brother Garfield Reed, Sister Monica Lamb, and Sister Cheryl Stevenson. Our goal is to financially empower members of our community so we can all see a better tomorrow. If you or someone you know needs to put a dagger through their finances, give us a call at 1-800-518-2817, extension 901. That's 1-800-518-2817, extension 901. Or check out our website at www.daggersquadinc.com. That's www.daggersquadinc.com. The following program is rated TVMA. Peace, family. Assalamu alaikum. Brother Reza Islam here. And I was not going to do a video about this, but so many people have requested. And I'm just going to go ahead and drop the information right now. And don't get mad at me, but get mad at this damn government and the NFL. Because, well, so many of you love it so damn much. And it's only supposed to be for entertainment, but... Let's see. This is coming from your brother who played football in high school. I didn't play basketball, believe it or not. My number was 22, and I was wide receiver and second string safety as well. So I'm not being biased. I'm actually saying this because it is absolutely 100% true and factual. So you might want to be mad at yourself too a little bit because you may not have known this information. So just take it softly 
Here we go. For one, we should not rely on Jay-Z or any other artist to build up our community. We need to build up our community ourselves, clearly, clearly, and clearly. For two, wait for the actual facts to come out on everything before we make any judgments or any assumptions or anything whatsoever. Just wait until all the actual facts come out and then you can make your statement and cast your opinion. For three, I would not encourage Colin Kaepernick, our brothers who made a revolutionary move to go back and become a modern day slave. Yes, that's what it is. And to go ahead and capitulate to the same damn system that disrespected him along with all of our people when they pass on the ID and understanding that we are still being murdered by police today. I would, however, encourage him to team up with Master P with the Arena Football League and create their own league so that we can have our own teams sponsored by our people and ran by our artists and have all of us handling all of that business because we are completely 100% independent and are relying upon this system anyway. Lastly, I would not encourage Colin Kaepernick or any other player to go back into a completely hypocritical system which states that he is the one who disrespected the United States flag and disrespects America when they disrespect the United States flag every single time they have a game. And how is this, brother, resist Bob? Well, according to Title Four of the United States Code, Chapter 1, Section 8C, the flag should not be carried horizontally, but should always be held aloft and free. Don't they march the United States flag out horizontally every time they have a game? And Title Four, Chapter 1, Section 8J, according to the United States Code regarding the flag, the flag should never be worn on clothing, accessories, and or apparel. Why does the NFL make it a requirement to put the flag on helmets when that is a direct violation of the United States Code and anybody who is wearing the flag on shirts and shoes and hats, etc., are completely disrespecting the flag according to the United States Code itself? So you are a damn hypocrite by stating that Colin Kaepernick has disrespected the flag when you endorse it, you even make money off of it. And lastly, what is my last final, final, final point or other falsified asinine statement, which is 100% lies that Colin Kaepernick disrespects the military by kneeling when he should be standing for the national anthem. Well, 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 is it true that in the NFL, they have a contract with the Department of Defense. And when it comes to the Department of Defense's recruitment tool, one of the number one ways that they do it is they pay the NFL millions of dollars to march the flag out in a disrespectful manner, according to the United States Code. And they march soldiers out to recruit new people for the military. It's recruitment. It has nothing to do with patriotism. It has nothing to do with you loving America. It has everything to do with you recruiting more soldiers for the army. That is why they do that. So he's not disrespecting the military. He's not disrespecting anything whatsoever. The United States itself is disrespecting its own code and violating its own code. He is respecting his people by bringing the attention to the fact that these police officers are involved in domestic terrorism, which is them murdering us for no reason, which is also in the same United States code list, which is under Title 18, subsection 5, while the flag code is up under Title 4. So just make sure we understand this to be very clear. That's what Colin Kaepernick was doing, and that's exactly what he should be doing. Minister Farrakhan brought out all these facts, and y'all acting like you didn't hear them, which is why he has plenty of his little brothers out here in the community helping the people, and Brother Reza Islam happens to be one of them here to remind you. To everybody, and of course with Jay-Z making these moves, Wait until the actual facts come out, but we should continue to build up our community until everything else comes out so that when that does come out, our community will be doing better. Why? Because we decided to stand up and do something for ourselves rather than relying on somebody else to do it for us. Damn. Hetapu.
My name is Jabari Osaze, and this is Ancient Wisdom Daily, our daily discussion of the application of ancient wisdom in your modern lives. Today, I want us to think about um, a, a, an object, an object that I had the opportunity to see with my own eyes. It actually is on an island all the way in the south of Kemet, an island that the Nubians uh, lived on for, for many, many years. In fact, the modern Nubians live there today as well. It's usually called Sahel Island. And there's a great, great object on it, a stele that is known as the famine stele. On this stele, you'll see an interesting inscription. It seems to have, um, it, it relates to a, a, a situation that occurs in the old kingdom, but historians now believe that it actually was either written in the late period during the, during the Ptolemaic, it was during that period. So it may actually reference a much older text. And it actually describes that there was a great famine in Kemet. And that the great king at the time, a man by the name of Joser, sends his second in command, an incredible man by the name of Imhotep. You remember Imhotep? The world's first multi-genius, one of the world's earliest doctors. He sends Imhotep to the south to Sahel Island to see why this great famine is occurring, why this wonderful river that um, they knew as the Hapi, that today is misnomer the Nile, is, was not providing the, the wonderful um, flood that occurred every year, which created this fertile soil that allowed them to grow all of the things that they needed. And so in, when Imhotep goes down and sees this particular area, he does uh, a very interesting thing. He pays homage to the local deities. He pays homage to the deity Kanum and the deity Anket, these wonderful deities that exist in this area. And in conversation with them, he is told that they will provide for them, provide for the Kemetic people if they give to their shrines. And so what does Imhotep do? He decides that all those things, all those things that are within that area, all the people who are cultivating within that area will have to give some of their land to the shrine, give some of their land to the divine. Now, some of you might say, well, what are we hearing? I think that it's very interesting that we're probably hearing a description of ancient tithing, um, the way that you can actually give to people, um, give to your, your sacred home, give to your, your institution so that it can continue. Um, but I think that something else, we're also hearing something else. We're also hearing that the land in this area around the Hopi was given to the shrine. Now let's talk about this in a practical sense. If we realize that nature, the inter, nature is not giving us what we're supposed to be receiving, then maybe there are certain things we should do in our relationship to nature, our relationship to the divine, because our comedic ancestors believed that this was the very uh, substance of the divine. If we do something better in our relationship, we'll actually receive something better. And I think that while we can focus on the things that, that Imhotep does that are um, supernatural, that are religious, that are spiritual, recognize there's something else that he does. 
in giving the lands around the hapi in this area back to the shrine, it actually means that in some ways they go uncultivated. I believe that what he is doing is creating the world's first wetland pr preserve. Now, I know that historians don't generally describe it this way, but I think this is the accurate reading here. If we expect that these great waterways will continue to give to us, shouldn't we allow them to replenish themselves? Shouldn't we allow the, the, the great wild stock and, and all of the, the fish and fauna around them to thrive so that the, the actual wetland can thrive? Now, I know that sometimes when we think about science, we think that this is something distinct from spirituality. But the comedic people believe that spirituality was in all things. And I'm sure they would have described this act as a spiritual act, but it's clearly also a scientific act as well. How many, of us how many of us recognize that water around the world is being encroached upon? And there are companies that are actually buying water around the world because they seek to control people in a way that is unhealthy. Isn't it important for us to recognize that those things, these great waterways, don't belong to humanity, they belong to the divine. And that is what we should be allowing them to be given back to. And so Imhotep and his great wisdom creates what I believe is the world's first recorded wetland preserve. The, the for, world's first watershed. We know that, at, I know I live in New York state and there's a great watershed that protects some of the water of New York state, but it still is going um, in some ways unprotected. And then this large area of New York State, New York City, where I live, is actually in some instances in jeopardy because the area around it is not being well preserved. This concept of, of how to address these issues is one that comes to us from our ancient African ancestors. And I hope that we'll begin to recognize that if we truly want to prosper, if we want to be able to get those things that we need to survive, we need to return to the source and give back to the divine. Does this mean that you're tithing at your institution? Maybe. And maybe it doesn't have to be a, 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 a predetermined number. Perhaps what you need to do is recognize that all those things that you receive come because you are blessed and that those are things that you need to also give back to those institutions. And so I hope that you're recognizing the wisdom in this on this incredible Friday. Do you think there are other people that might actually enjoy these conversations, these conversations we have about the application of ancient wisdom on a daily basis? Please send them to our website at Ancient Wisdom Daily to subscribe. with the Abrahamic religions. Christianity and Islam are well documented within the continent, but seldom do we explore the history of Judaism in Africa. And with modern day movements within the African diaspora, this history is being advanced within the social framework of the public consciousness. <laughs> what up African world, it's your boy home team here and I'm back at it with another video of African history, culture, and worldview. And remember, if you want access to sources, courses, exclusive videos, 
or you just want to support the home team, you can do so on patreon.com. The link is in the description box below. It's no surprise that scholars are having to address the history of Judaism in Africa due to the rise of the black Hebrew Israelite community. The Hebrew Israelites have done a fantastic job at moving the discussion through grassroots efforts in urban communities. Their narrative has become so potent that it even influenced the minds of popular hip hop artists like Kendrick Lamar and Kodak Black. I'm an Israelite, don't call me black no more. That word is only a color, it ain't facts no more. Hey, hey, I'm an Israelite, my diamonds is real And this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Hebrew Israelite influence in popular culture. My last video about the top 10 African ethnic groups taken in the Atlantic slave trade spurred up the debate about Hebrew Israelite claims concerning biblical prophecies and how black people in the diaspora may reflect this history. A lot of you guys have been messaging me to share my thoughts on the topic. I thought it would be an interesting topic to analyze, but more importantly, I wanted to go into the details of some of the major claims and compare it to what we know about West African history. So here it goes. First, we're going to discuss the general history of Judaism in Africa, and then we'll compare them to the Hebrew Israelite ideology and what some scholars have to say. I definitely can't cover everything in this video, so keep in mind that there will be a part two, so make sure to make comments. With any movement around the globe, it's important to have elements of truth in it, and that's how most of them acquire their following. The truth is, there is a history of Jews in Africa, According to most accounts, the earliest Jewish settlements were in North Africa, and it only makes sense for Judaism in Africa to begin in the North as a point of entry from the Levant region where it originated. Jews and Amazigh, or what we call today Berbers, ultimately interacted with each other, and some Berbers in North Africa actually converted to Judaism. In fact, according to accounts from the 19th century onward, Queen Kahina, an Amazigh queen who fought against the Arab invasion, was said to have converted to Judaism. Even though this is debated within the scholarly community, it still points to the presence and influence of Judaism in Africa. Pointing further south, in Ethiopia, the queen who destroyed the Aksumite Empire was believed by some to have been a Jewish convert. Her name was Queen Gudi. And again, Despite the controversy, the knowledge of Judaism in Africa was not foreign or unknown. But the most unlikely place people are to expect the presence of Judaism tends to be West Africa because it's so far away from the origin of Judaism. Admittedly, the most direct evidence for Jews in West Africa comes from the West African writers themselves in the Tariq al-Fatash. The Tariq al-Fatash is a West African chronicle written in Arabic in the second half of the 17th century, and it provides an account of the Songhai and Mali empires. The Tariq al-Fatash describes a community called the Bani Israel that in 1402 existed in Tendurma, Mali, possessed 333 wells and had seven leaders. It even goes on to list the names of these leaders and even states that they had an army of around 1,500 men. Apparently, there was a sizable amount of Jews in the Songhai Empire, and according to Leo Africanus, the Askia, or king, really wasn't too pleased that they were there. The king is a declared enemy of the Jews. He will not allow any to live in the city. If he hears it said that a Berber merchant frequents them, 
or does business with them, he confiscates his goods. It's important to note that thousands of Jews and Moors during this same period were reportedly expelled from Spain and came to settle in North Africa. But nonetheless, Jews were in West Africa and Africans and Arabs recorded their presence. There are many more accounts of Jews in Western Africa, but let's discuss the strongest claim from the Hebrew Israelites that support their narrative. Like mentioned before, the Hebrew Israelites claimed that Hebrew communities lived in Africa, and historically that's true. But their strongest claim comes from Dr. Rudolf Windsor in his book, From Babylon to Timbuktu. There, he proclaims a Hebrew Israelite state in West Africa called Kamnuria or Kanuria. The Moorish writer Leo Africanus informs us of the past existence of a medieval Hebrew state called Kamnuria or Kanuria. In fact, Kamnuria did indeed exist, and to Dr. Winter's credit, there is very strong evidence that there were Jews living there. In Mauritania, according to oral tradition of Western Africa and Arab sources, the first inhabitants of Mauritania were the Bafour people, who apparently claim Jewish origin. The Bafour were a pre-Berber people in the region who reportedly were Black Africans with some Semite ancestry. Al-Adrisi, the Muslim scholar and historian writes, and I quote, the inhabitants of Kamnuria, following the saying of merchants, claim to be Jews. According to Al-Adrisi, when the Islamic Berber empire of the Amoravids were expanding, they began to oppress the Balfour Kamnuria population and they were left in a state of survival. Only a small group from Kamnuria remained, scattered between the deserts and near the coast and living off dairy products or fish. They lead a hard and precarious life. They wander in this territory. Now, like mentioned before, all movements and religions must contain elements of truth to them. And this is by far the strongest and most reliable argument of the Hebrew Israelite community concerning Jews or Hebrews in West Africa. Now, given all of that, with further analysis of their claims, the scholarly and religious community have many objections. For the sake of time, let's all concede and agree with the position of the Hebrew Israelites that all the Hebrews from Israel all the way to North and West Africa are all black Hebrews. Even if we concede to that point, there are still difficulties with assigning these people not only to the African diaspora, but African kingdoms. But we'll get into that later. It's important to note that the Hebrew Israelite ideology and belief is very diverse. So we're going to tackle the most popular one. The book From Babylon to Timbuktu and its author, Dr. Rudolf Windsor, is one of the most celebrated history books for most Hebrew Israelites. So we'll use his claims from this book and compare it to what we know historically about West African history. Dr. Rudolf Windsor is a Hebrew Israelite himself. And in his book, he claims that the kings of the Ghana empire, also known as Wagadu, were black Hebrews. The black Hebrew kings of Ghana had two titles Kayamaga and Ghana. 
It's a well-documented fact that the Soninka people founded the empire of Ghana, not black Hebrews. The Soninka weren't Jews at all. In fact, they had a legend about a giant snake that they made a pact with to sustain their land. According to Soninka oral tradition, the Soninka venerated a giant snake named Bita, and they made sacrifices to him. And I quote, every year the Bita would receive a maiden and a horse, and in exchange, the Bita would rain gold upon the land. This obviously has strong religious undercurrents concerning their traditional African belief system, which was the veneration of snakes. Nothing at all within Soneka society points to any Jewish, socio-political, or religious parentage. Hebrew Israelite scholarship has a tendency to bulk up the presence of Jews in West and Central Africa so that the millions of people sought off the coast of Africa will align with their claim that all victims of the Atlantic slave trade are the true and authentic children of Israel. The argument actually crumbles with the numbers. The way they tend to boost these numbers is by claiming the originators of some African empires or kingdoms were black Hebrews, and they simply converted to Islam later on. Like with the empire of Ghana and the Songa empire, many Hebrew Israelites claim the original West African Songhai dynasty, known as the Za or Dia dynasty, had a line of black Hebrew kings. This founder of the first Sudanic dynasty in Western Africa was a black Jew. His name is sometimes written Za'al Ayaman. Because it's assumed that we can't confirm historically the religion of the early Dia or Za dynasty of the Songhai, Dr. Windsor simply inserts the idea that it was a black Hebrew one. The Tariq El Sudan, which is another chronicle from West Africa, written by an African, makes mention of the Za dynasty and its ruler, but does not at all mention that he was a Hebrew or a Jew for that matter. Thankfully today, due to new information, we have some writing from ancient Songhai traditional scribes called the Kumba. This was the earliest Songhai writing form used to communicate largely religious matters. A Songhai historian named Dr. Hasimi Maga has preserved the text of his people and given us insight into the religion of ancient Songhai people. The following is a written Songhai communication between two priests. Peace be upon Ndebi. Men and women are greeting you and the river, the forest, and the Genji. The cattle, the birds, and the animals are suffering because of the lack of rain. Peace be upon Ndebi. Men and women are greeting you. May the peace of the day and the night be upon you. We must organize the dance. We must sacrifice animal blood and offer it to the Genji to drink. When the Kumba receives such letters from other scribes, they explain or interpret the meaning of such letters. Such letters also can be ordered by the chief of the village, the king, or they can be initiated by the Kumba themselves for the benefit of the population. Now, based off this communication between two Songhai scribes or priests before the advent of Islam, it's clear that the god that they worship, which the Za dynasty kings seemingly validated, 
was not Yah of the black Hebrews, but Ndebi. Also, nothing in black Hebrew Israelite culture makes reference to offering animal blood to the Ganji, which the early Songhai dynasty believed were spirits in human form. We have to ask ourselves, why would black Hebrew kings of the Songhai allow the worship of Ndebi and the veneration of Ganji? These are very difficult questions to answer if we are to subscribe to this idea that the early Songhai kings were black Hebrews. The fact is this, the ancient Songhai dynasties very clearly weren't black Hebrews acquiring any traditions from the Levant region and worship of Yah, but they were West Africans practicing a traditional African belief. By claiming that Ghana and Songhai were originally Hebrews, you automatically boost up the numbers of Hebrews in Africa greatly, along with other independent Jewish communities we see historically. And thus, you can comfortably align yourself with the claim that all the millions of victims of the Atlantic slave trade are the true and authentic children of Israel. Attempting to disprove Hebrew-Israelite origin in African empires can be difficult as anyone can insert an Israelite presence with historical gaps. But one thing that seems a little peculiar is Dr. Rudolph's claim that the black Jews maintained their history, laws, and written records, and they did not absorb into the African tribes. Instead, the African tribes absorbed into them. The black Jews had an advantage over the African tribes. They carried their culture, history, laws, and written records with them. This assured them a constant precedent for the development of a higher social organization. Because of the stability of the black Jewish culture, the Jews were not absorbed into the autochthonous population. So according to Dr. Rudolph, the black Hebrew kings of Ghana and Songhai had the advantage over other Africans because they maintained their culture, written records, laws, and history. Also, these black Hebrews were not absorbed into the African culture, taking on any of the African cultural, religious, or societal ways, but that the Africans took on the ways of the black Hebrews. This is a pretty bold and problematic statement because in order for it to be true, the most basic human activity has to accommodate what he's saying, and that's language. The one question we must ask ourselves is this, if these black Hebrews kept their cultural ways and history and laws and influenced the Africans, how did they not keep the Hebrew language? How did the language and the writing not influence the local population? And why aren't there any Hebrew history books in West Africa accounting for these African empires? Take, for example, the Tariq al-Sudan and the Tariq al-Fatash. Both of these books were written in Arabic, which is a language brought over from a people also from the Middle Eastern region who clearly brought over their religion, language, history, and laws, influencing the African population. If the Arabs were able to do it, why weren't the black Hebrews able to keep a simple thing like their language or the Hebrew writing if millions of them migrated to Africa and built empires and maintained their culture? If 
If what he claims is correct, then the Sonika people of the Ghana Empire had to have been absorbed by the culture and laws of the Black Hebrews. If the kings of Ghana were Hebrew Israelites who kept their tradition, why would they give themselves Sonika names instead of Hebrew ones? For example, here is a small list of names from the kings of Ghana that is well documented. King Kayamaga, King Mayandiabe Sise, King Basi, and King Tunka Manin. The names of these kings don't seem remotely Hebrew or Jewish. In fact, these names are Sonika in origin, Sise being a very popular mandate name. The names of these kings also point to the originators of the Ghana Empire, which is obviously African and not Black Hebrew Israelite, as Dr. Windsor proclaims. Also, if the Black Hebrews kept their laws and written records, as Dr. Rudolph claims, why would the Kumba Songhai scribes not be writing in Hebrew script? What reason would they have to invent a totally new writing system and worship a new god named Ndebi and not Yah? If these Black Hebrews influenced the Africans and kept their Hebrew written records and laws, as Dr. Windsor claims, then the supposed Black Hebrew kings of Songhai would not be writing in an ancient Songhai script. When comparing African history with the most celebrated Hebrew Israelite commentary on Black Hebrew Israelite history, we run into some serious issues. However, even with these historical issues, the Hebrew Israelites, to their credit, make convincing arguments from the Hebrew Bible itself as parallels between the children of Israel of the Bible and the Atlantic slave trade are bound to be similar. Well, I'm all out guys. In part two, I'm going to tackle the strongest biblical evidence black Hebrew Israelites use and compare it to biblical scholarship. Africans and the New World spurred up the debate about a totally different perspective concerning the Black Hebrew Israelite origins of the Atlantic slave trade. If you haven't seen the first video, be sure to take a look because this will be a part two. Today we're going to discuss the history of this idea and continue the discussion. <laughs> What up African world, it's Home Team here and I'm back at it with another video of African history, culture, and worldview. And remember, if you want full access to courses, sources, and exclusive videos, or if you just wanna support the Home Team, you can do so on patreon.com. The link is in the description box below. With our continued discussion about the claims of the Black Hebrew Israelites, it's very important to note that their ideology is very diverse. But the position we're discussing is from the historical perspective of Rudolf Windsor in his book, From Babylon to Timbuktu. I chose his analysis of Black Hebrew Israelite history because his book is the most celebrated book within the Black Hebrew Israelite community. So let's keep that in mind. His primary position is that the Black Hebrew Israelite community left the Middle East and ended up in West Africa, maintaining their history, culture, laws, and written records, and also that they didn't absorb into the West African culture at all. 
this idea I showed in part one to be a very difficult thing to subscribe to given fundamental West African history. The history of the Black Hebrew Israelite community is very interesting and they have communities all throughout the African diaspora and Africa itself. In the last video concerning the history of Judaism within West Africa, we looked at the confirmed existence of Jewish communities. Now let's look at two groups of Africans that have been confirmed and validated as being a part of the Hebrew Israelite community. Two groups of Africans that have been embraced as legitimate members of Israel or just accepted as having legitimate claims are the Falasa Jews of Ethiopia and the Lemba of Zimbabwe. The mere existence of these communities really strengthens the argument of modern day black Hebrew Israelites concerning the exodus of Hebrews from Israel into Africa. There is no doubt that the black Hebrew Israelite community can anchor their historical perspective with this reality. Some of the truths within the black Hebrew Israelite camp can be very compelling, giving the biblical and tangible evidence. The only problem from the outside observer seems to be the conflation of this history. No ideology has to be perfect, but using this color of truth to paint all black people as members of a new belief due to an overzealous discovery can garner some serious issues. And when we look at the history of the Hebrew Israelites, we'll understand how this all happened. Hebrew Israelite history started a very long time ago. Most people would begin Hebrew Israelite history in the late 19th century, but I'm taking a different approach. The truth is the religious foundation for the Hebrew Israelite ideology began with slavery in the US. When African-American slaves began to hear biblical stories, they immediately identified spiritually with the plight of the Israelites. For African-Americans identifying spiritually with the Israelites gave them a sustained hope that the God who delivered Israel would surely deliver them. In their slave songs, they made statements such as, my Lord delivered Daniel, oh why not deliver me too? They also sung, come along Moses, don't get lost, we are the people of God. So we can see very early on that enslaved African-Americans in the United States we're laying down the psychological framework needed to identify with the Israelites. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, certain African Americans began not only to identify spiritually with the ancient Israelites, but also claimed that they were their direct physical descendants. In 1886 in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a man named Frank Cherry claimed to receive a vision through which God told him to present the message that African Americans are the true descendants of the biblical Hebrews. Then William S. Crowdy founded the Church of God and Saints of Christ in 1896 in Kansas with the claim that the 10 lost tribes of Israel were the ancestors of black people. From the beginning of the 15th century up to the second half of the century, the lost tribes idea has been an essential part of the European colonial narrative and discourse. In other words, the lost tribe's obsession from the start originated amongst European religious imagination. This was adopted by black people in America who had every reason to find parallels between the suffering of the Israelites 
and their own traumatic experiences of slavery and Jim Crow. Fortunately, this new idea for many Black Hebrews relieved the pressures of being descendants of Africans and having to deal with the Western world's view of that. Identifying with the romanticized plight of the Hebrew Israelites granted African-Americans access to sympathy and a respect for their humanity. For a particular sect within the Black Hebrew Israelite camp, like Rudolf Windsor, this new identity afforded them the opportunity to separate themselves from the African and join in the denigration of African society and civilization in order to insist that their presence, the presence of the Black Hebrews in Africa, brought some sort of cultural or moral superiority. An idea that Rudolf clearly states himself. The argument from Rudolf Windsor has strong undercurrents of Black Hebrew Israelites' superiority over Africans. The Jews had settled among the most civilized people throughout the ages. The Jews imported into the Western part of Africa a superior, material, educational, and moral culture soon after 300 AD. So essentially, Dr. Rudolph is saying that West Africans were less civilized and strife with moral and cultural bankruptcy. And so the black Hebrews, in a sense, gave them the light. The problem with that statement is that it mirrors the racist views of Arabs and Europeans who justified the enslavement of African people because they had no civilization or respectable societal values. On the contrary, here are some honest records from early times concerning the empire of Ghana, which was an African empire that was neither Jewish, Christian, or Muslim. A certain king of Ghana in the seventh century called Canisia possessed 1,000 horses and how each of the horses slept only on carpet with a silken rope for halter and had three personal attendants as if itself were a king. The king of Ghana is the richest king on the face of the earth. The king has a palace and a number of dome dwellings, all surrounded with an enclosure like a city wall. He sits in audience or to hear grievances against officials in a dome pavilion around which stands 10 horses covered with gold embroidered materials. Behind the king stand 10 pages holding shields and swords decorated with gold. And on his right are the sons of the kings of his country wearing splendid garments and their hair plated with gold. The African kings of Ogadu or Ghana had an appreciation for structure, order, beauty, and administrative acumen. They didn't need the Abrahamic religions in order to attain a civilized moral compass. But anyway, let's get back to a comparison between West African history and the proclaimed Black Hebrew Israelite history in West Africa. When confronted about historical inconsistencies in relation to the two, Hebrew Israelites tend to pull out what they view as a trump card. They point out that maps made prior to the mid 1700s have the kingdom of Judah on it. And indeed, a kingdom called Judah are on these maps. They say that Europeans are trying to hide this history because after the 1700s, 
this kingdom disappears and it's called something else. For an individual who does not know African history, this would be the most compelling evidence for black Hebrew Israelite civilization in West Africa. But upon further analysis of West African history, we begin to see a different picture. To begin with, the indigenous name for the kingdom was called Weda, which literally means house of the serpent. But the French called it Waida or Ouda. When the Portuguese arrived in that region, they called it Ajuda, which literally means help in Portuguese. And since then, the name of the kingdom has been called either Waida, Weda, or Judah. Judah simply being a British corruption of the word. And since Emmanuel Bowen, the creator of this map, was British himself, he simply called it the Kingdom of Judah, or Wida, as we see here. He clearly makes reference to its more original French name so that people may understand. The conspiracy within some of the Hebrew Israelite community is this. Well, if they're not trying to hide our true Israelite identity, why did the Kingdom of Judah suddenly disappear from all the maps in the mid 1700s? Because indeed, maps after the mid 1700s don't have the Kingdom of Judah on it, and it's called something else. That's the conspiracy within the Hebrew Israelite community. But the answer to this question is pretty simple. The Kingdom of Wida or Judah disappeared from the map in the mid 1700s because it was conquered by the Kingdom of Naomi. Ironically, the end of the Kingdom of Judah or Wida was at the skilled hands of the Naomi female warriors. The first definite use of women as soldiers by the kingdom of Naomi was in 1729. The king of Naomi, King Agaja, ordered a great number of women to be armed like soldiers and appointed officers to watch company with colors, drums, and umbrellas. Israelite community is this. Well, if they're not trying to hide our true Israelite identity, why did the kingdom of Judah suddenly disappear from all the maps in the mid 1700s? Because indeed, maps after the mid 1700s don't have the kingdom of Judah on it. And it's called something else. That's the conspiracy within the Hebrew Israelite community. But the answer to this question is pretty simple. The kingdom of Wida or Judah disappeared from the map in the mid 1700s because it was conquered by the kingdom of Naomi. Ironically, the end of the kingdom of Judah or Wida was at the skilled hands of the Naomi female warriors. The first definite use of women as soldiers by the kingdom of Naomi was in 1729. The king of Naomi, King Agaja, ordered a great number of women to be armed like soldiers and appointed officers to watch company with colors, drums, and umbrellas, according to Negro fashion. Then, ordering the army to march, the women soldiers were placed in the rear to prevent discovery. When they came in sight of the Waida army, the latter 
were much surprised to see such numbers of Daomi soldiers, as they supposed them all to be, marching against them. If you're not convinced yet that the kingdom of Lida was not a Hebrew-Israelite kingdom at all and never claimed to be, let's look at the society itself and their beliefs. According to Rudolf Windsor, the Black Hebrew Israelites upon their arrival in West Africa maintained their culture and history. Yet this is not at all reflected in the history of Judah or Lida. Number one, because the inhabitants of the region never called their kingdom Judah, it was called Weda. And like mentioned before, Weda literally means house of serpents. Why would these people call their kingdom house of serpents? Well, the reason is in their religion. In reference to the religion of Lida or Judah, the sources have this to say. The one element that attracted regular notice and commentary was the cult of the snake god, Dangbe. This was generally recognized as deriving from pre-Daomian days. So before the conquering of the kingdom of Judah, which again was named by the Portuguese and the British, these Africans clearly venerated and worshiped a snake god they called Dangbe. Similar to how the Soneka of the Ghana Empire venerated a snake deity. In fact, an illustration by European visitors to the kingdom of Judah during the coronation of the king, we clearly see a snake present right in the middle of the whole procession because their religion clearly demonstrates their worship of snakes. So we have to ask ourselves, if what the Hebrew Israelites are saying is correct about the kingdom of Wida or Judah being a black Hebrew kingdom, then why would the Hebrews be worshiping a snake, especially during a pivotal time of crowning a king? According to Rudolf Windsor, the black Hebrew Israelites upon their arrival in West Africa maintained their culture and history. Yet this is not at all reflected in the history of Judah or Wida. Number one, because the inhabitants of the region never called their kingdom Judah. It was called Weda. And like mentioned before, Weda literally means house of serpents. Why would these people call their kingdom house of serpents? Well, the reason is in their religion. In reference to the religion of Wida or Judah, the sources have this to say. The one element that attracted regular notice and commentary was the cult of the snake god, Dangbe. This was generally recognized as deriving from pre-Daomian days. So before the conquering of the kingdom of Judah, which again was named by the Portuguese and the British, these Africans clearly venerated and worshiped a snake god they called Dangbe. Similar to how the Soneka of the Ghana Empire venerated a snake deity. In fact, an illustration by European visitors to the kingdom of Judah during the coronation of the king, we clearly see a snake present right in the middle of the whole procession because their religion clearly demonstrates their worship of snakes. So we have to ask ourselves, 
If what the Hebrew Israelites are saying is correct about the kingdom of Wida or Judah being a black Hebrew kingdom, then why would the Hebrews be worshiping a snake, especially during a pivotal time of crowning a king, a moment in which your beliefs and history should be on full display, which they were? It becomes very difficult to conclude that the kingdom of Judah, Ghana, or Songhai were black Hebrew states when we understand West African history, culture, and religion. Now, the argument from some conservative Hebrew Israelites tend to excuse this historical narrative because they claim that black Hebrews simply began to worship other gods and forgot who they were. They point to the fact that they did this throughout history. The problem for an outside observer is that you can't simultaneously proclaim that the black Hebrews maintained their culture, laws, and written records and did not absorb into the African populace via Rudolf Windsor's claim, and also that they forgot their language, culture, and laws, but there existed a kingdom of Judah in West Africa, alluding that they were black Hebrews who knew who they were. These two liberal and conservative black Hebrew Israelite historical perspectives cannot coexist given their collective evidential claims. In my previous video, I promised that I would discuss the black Hebrew Israelites' most powerful biblical argument. One of the most convincing claims from the Hebrew Israelites comes straight from the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 28. This chapter is one of the primary pieces of evidence for the Hebrew Israelite community. It's so convincing and compelling that it became one of the foundational talking points for people within the community and even in popular culture. Kendrick Lamar himself makes reference to it in his song, Fear. Deuteronomy 28 and 28 says, the Lord shall smack thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. The overwhelming majority of Hebrew Israelites believe that the transatlantic slave trade was predicted in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 68. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships, by the way whereof I spake unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. And there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bound men and bound women, and no man shall buy you. This is a great verse that Hebrew Israelites use to confirm the transatlantic voyage of black Hebrews. There will always be disagreements as to what this verse is really saying on both ideological ends, but I'll just document both arguments here and explain how the black Hebrew Israelite community makes it work for their perspective. For most black Hebrews concerning this verse, Egypt is just a spiritual reference for America or the Americas. And the part about, and I quote, no man shall buy you, simply means that no man will save you according to many Hebrew Israelites. Now, according to Josephus, who was a first century Romano Jewish scholar and historian, Jerusalem was taken by Titus and many Jews were enslaved in Egypt once again. Thomas Newton, a biblical scholar and author, also points out the following theological thought concerning the Israelite reference in Deuteronomy chapter 28. They had come out of Egypt triumphant, 
but now they should return thither as slaves. They had walked through the sea as dry land at their coming out, but now they should be carried thither in ships. They might be carried thither in the ships of the Tyrian or Sidonian merchants, or by the Romans who had a fleet in the Mediterranean. And this was a much safer way of conveying so many prisoners than sending them by land. Josephus also gives commentary as to the last portion of the biblical prophecy from his perspective in reference to no man shall buy you. Of the captives who were above 17 years, he sent many bound to the works in Egypt. Those under 17 were sold, but so little care was taken of these captives that 11,000 of them perished for want. Josephus, by the way, claimed to have witnessed himself the taking of Jerusalem by Titus and was under his protection. Whatever perspective we want to subscribe to, the fact remains that there are older interpretations of the scripture from a man of that time who claimed to see Jews being persecuted and sent to Egypt, which does align with the biblical prophecy. Given this history, some more conservative Hebrew Israelites don't deny what Josephus says and his firsthand account because he was actually there. But they believe that event was just a part of the prophecy. They proclaim that the transatlantic slave trade was a second portion and completion of the biblical prophecy in Deuteronomy. The historical proclamations of the Black Hebrew Israelites are compelling on the surface level. The only issue seems to be the conflation of history and the romanticized feeling of historical gaps. Whatever we want to subscribe to is ultimately up to us. Well, I'm all out, guys. If you liked this video and would like to see more, be sure to support the home team on Patreon. The link is in the description box below. Know thyself. Remember your ancestors. Peace. Hello again, it's Alokan here, and as promised in my last video, I will be giving you a full review of each of the individual ethnic groups found in my genome from my Ancestry DNA test kit. So as I previously stated, the largest percentage of my genome comes from Mali, which is almost a quarter. In the previous video, I did give a description of the Mali Empire already, but I'm going to go over it again because there are quite a few very important things that I left out one of which that Malian people can trace their lineage back to the largest empire that Africa has ever seen, the Songhai. The Songhai Empire was actually larger than all of Western Europe combined. Believe it or not, Mali actually has one of the longest, extensive, well-documented, and recorded histories out of any other sub-Saharan African nation, Ethiopia being another one of the big contenders. Contrary to what most people teach about sub-Saharan Africans, the Malians were actually literate. They have thousands upon thousands of books, actually many being discovered today dating back from the 1200s. These books contain anything from food recipes, from mathematics, astronomy, science, even texts from famous Greek and Roman writers were found in these libraries. There is one find in these manuscripts that is particularly interesting, and that's a possible voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. 
That's right. According to both Malian and Arabic sources, the Malian ruler may have launched a fleet across the Atlantic Ocean as early as the year 1310, almost 200 years prior to Christopher Columbus's historic voyage. Apparently, the Atlantic Ocean was compared to the Niger River. Though it is very vast, they believe the Atlantic Ocean had another bank, so to speak. Mansa Musa himself, worth over $400 billion, the richest man in the world's history, is said to have been the one to take over the throne after the previous ruler abandoned his throne in search of the limits of the Atlantic Ocean. The previous ruler financed the building of over 2,000 ships, all stocked to the teeth, with food, water, supplies, as well as many different craftsmen of many different trades to last them for two years during their perilous journey across the Atlantic Ocean. Numerous accounts of blacks already present in the New World prior to Christopher Columbus's voyage have been made by Christopher Columbus himself, as well as the Native Americans. Even the art, religion, and even some place names found in South and Central America have some striking parallels to those found in Western Africa. Unfortunately, however, there's insufficient archaeological evidence to confirm any of these claims. And as mentioned before, Mali was also home to the richest man who has ever existed, known as Manta Musa. Manta Musa was so rich that he led a caravan for thousands of miles across the Sahara Desert with over 60,000 men all carrying tons of his gold, giving away gold throughout his entire journey, eventually ending it in Mecca. Even after returning back to his kingdom, he had left the economy of the Mediterranean in shambles. The price of gold had dropped dramatically for the next decade. Musa's historical pilgrimage literally put West Africa on the map. The Congo-Cameroon area has seen the rise and fall of many states throughout its history. Though this part of Africa has never seen the rise of one large literate state such as the Mali Empire, it has seen the rise and fall of many smaller states comparable in size to those found in Europe. The Congo Kingdom was the largest and most influential and powerful kingdom in Central Africa, with a history dating back to the year 1390. The Congo Kingdom was one of the first sub-Saharan nations to develop trade relations with a European state. When the Portuguese first arrived in Congo in the year 1483, they already found a well-established kingdom with a capital city of over 100,000 inhabitants. Contrary to the racist views that Europeans developed on Africans on the centuries to come, the Portuguese had great reverence for the Congo people and treated them as equals. The social and political structure of the Congo Kingdom was highly impressive and highly organized. The Congo Kingdom has seen the rise of many different unique types of architectural styles, as well as expert craftsmanship in iron that impressed all visitors, including the Portuguese. Also, other than the Ethiopians, the Congo were the first sub-Saharan nation to adopt Christianity. Over time, though, as with other European contacts with Africa, these friendly relations dwindled. Many battles took place in which the Portuguese saw numerous defeats at the hands of the Congo archers. It is said that the Congo military was able to field numbers as large as 20,000 men, and some accounts even include numbers as high as 70,000, though there is no sufficient evidence to back these claims. As the years went by and European greed and racism increased, warfare between the two kingdoms became increasingly more prevalent. It wasn't until the year 1891, however, which was over 400 years after initial contact, that the Kingdom of Portugal was finally able to take over the Kingdom of Congo and assimilating the kingdom into the colony of Angola. Nigeria historically has been one of the most ethnically diverse as well as highly populated areas in the world. Out of all of these ethnic groups, the largest and most influential have been the Hausa, the Yoruba, and the Igbo. Historically, the Hausa practiced the Islam faith and were divided into many loosely centralized states. These states would later be conquered by Fulani invaders and annexed into the Sokoto Caliphate. 
Like the Malian Empire, the host estates were known for being very literate, as were most other Muslim countries at the time. The Hausa were also known for their full body armor. This armor consisted of thick layers of padded cotton worn both by the rider and the horse. Historically, the Abo people were part of the Inri Kingdom, one of the oldest kingdoms found in Sub-Saharan Africa, with the history dating back to the year 948 AD. Although the neighboring Yoruba kingdoms were more well known for bronze casting, the Igbo people are also quite proficient with this technique. Traditionally, the Igbo have always been a very kind and peace-loving people. Unlike the majority of Africa at the time, the Igbo were actually one of the few who practiced no slavery in any sense of the word. In fact, any runaway slave that successfully made it to the Inri Kingdom was free. On top of this, the king of the Inri Kingdom exercised no military authority over his people. Most West African states viewed the Inri Kingdom as a spiritual sanctuary, comparable to cities like Jerusalem. The Igbo people were also unique in the fact that they elected their kings versus hereditary rule. Despite the pacifistic nature of the Igbo people, the Inri Kingdom lasted for almost a thousand years until it was finally conquered by the British Empire in the year 1911. Even after Nigeria gained its independence from Britain, the Igbo still had differing political views for most of Africa, which is what led to the Nigerian Civil War. There are many other kingdoms, states, and empires that arose and fell throughout West and Central Africa's extensive history. However, it would be impossible for me to cover all of them. The next video in this series will encompass the remainder of all African ancestry I have in my genome. If you liked the video, please click the like button and subscribe if you want more videos. Are you ready to be financially stable? Are you ready to have that perfect credit score? Are you ready to start your dream business? If you answered yes to any of the questions, then you're ready for the Dagger Squad. Dagger Squad Inc. provides professional services, including credit repair. Dagger Squad Inc. specializes in the removal of negatives in the form of late payments, collection accounts, student loans, bankruptcy, judgments, and much more, holding the unofficial record of 26 deletions off of one report. After cleaning up your credit score, you might be interested in boosting it. Dagger Squad can help with the purchase of trade lines. Also referred to as authorized users, trade lines are age lines of credit used to boost credit scores by piggybacking off of the account in good standing. We've sold lines from Citibank, Chase, and Capital One, just to name a few. We also have the Z Black Card, the top prepaid rewards card that pays you for referring friends and family. Unlike other prepaid cards, the Z Black Card isn't loaded with fees. Why should you have to pay to add or remove your money? Here at the Dagger Squad, we believe in no monthly fees, no load or withdrawal fees, no transfer or balance inquiry fees, and the list goes on.
that they want they want the world to know to think that we're extinct they want the world to know to think that we're extinct mm -hmm. they want us to think and then And the more that I would see the struggle and know the history of Native people and African, African, African history, and even the African-American history, then I saw the similarities of two. And I knew that our enemy is the same. And so, and that we are not as far removed and far different than others may think that we are. We are very much of the same. And so that right there really helped me. Also, there was a book that I read when I was in high school called Black Indians by William Katz, who happens to be a, a good friend of mine now. But he, when I read that book, that gave me empowerment, that I wasn't just the only person that is Black and Native American and Black and Native American and Black and Native American, but this is a long, long history way before Christopher Columbus came here of Africans, of Africans, of Africans, the African presence with indigenous native people here in throughout Turtle Island. This is the best of 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 the best
I wouldn't have no itching. So when we talk, on the radio, on the stage, on the record, when we walk, when people see me, they know that this is representation of where we're supposed to deal with. It means a living symbol of where we're supposed to be and deal with black liberation, African consciousness, Marcus Yahweh, Emperor Isaac the First, liberty, or you eat, or you walk, or you talk, or you have sex, or you wear what. All them things, there is a combination of holistic things. And we're not going to change because we're in a certain environment. Because mm. now we see them be real old people. And we never change. And my dad. You order distinction. Commander class, not even Lord, never one neither. It just says, Commander class, I'm calling me honorable. Class class, I can't believe that. It's different to it. Honorable. 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 Hey yo, it's Swiss. My name is JJ Bona. This is Shakara. Isis Girl. My name is Empress Manny. What's up? It's the world changing McKellamine. You're locked onto Got Kush. Got Kush. Got Kush. Got Kush TV, the conscious platform for all conscious people. Stay tuned. There was, there was, there was, there was empires in Africa called Kush. Timbuktu, where every race came to get books. For my success to you, even if you wish me the opposite. Sooner or later, we'll all see who the prophet is. Subscribe.
Donc, des captivated by one of Jamaica's icons when it comes to dub poetry, also when it comes to philosophy. I really want to tell you one, one in other word, yeah. This is one of the uh, foremost people in Jamaica who is often asked for their viewpoints and opinions, has very successful radio programs broadcasting across the world to uh, nearly 10 million people. Uh, one of Jamaica's finest exports, there we say, Muta Baruka. Mm. Great to have you in London. Fantastic show. Good times, man. Good times. Uh, thank you for coming here and being with uh, GKTV. How did you uh, find the uh, audience tonight? Yeah, man, the audience is very receptive. They, even some subtle little thing that I say, they catch up on it and react. Because sometimes we don't really come out with certain things. We say, we hope, say, Somebody in the yard there understand why we said that. We see them really react a lot of people. So that was good. You look like you're really enjoying yourself out there. I, 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 I'm a very happy person. Unlike a lot of people might think. <laughs> you know, I, I am very fun going, but I am very serious. serious. <laughs> see, when you come on to certain things, which I'm going to come on to African. Spirituality and our Africanness, Marcus Garvey and I, the and we have like a Rastafari, right? And as I was very touchy about that, but even within that, we still find time to make one smile our head and give them feels a rest. Yes, I like the way you say you're very serious about the uh, Africanness because Rastafari has been at the forefront of uh, yeah. keeping. Nubian black people focus yeah. looking towards Africa, remembering Marcus Garvey. How do you see the movement today in terms of uh, what you see happening in the 21st century? Because you're an elder in the Rasta community, you're a, you're a very well respected elder in the, in the Rasta mm -hmm. community. So, how do you see Rastafari today in the 21st century? Well, I knew somebody yesterday who would say Rastafari diminish in its popularity. I tend to differ because when I'm 70s, 
once that made it rise up and it looked like it's enough out because it was a little bit of rasta so it looked like it's enough rasta rise up and the same thing no it's enough rasta so when enough rise up it looked like no one no rise up but we say more you try it now i gravitate towards rasta different from when i said just come we see more you can gravitate but guess what because there's so much rasta now the hundreds and thousands will rise up. It don't like that, none of them will rise up. And because Rasta is so popular now, I see people who are lots of things who are unrasta. And people who say they are rasta are doing some different kind of things. It come like, right, did rasta diminish? But if you should have really check it. If you go to South Africa, you're not surprised so much rasta in South Africa. No. You come to England. Bully by you, that's how rasta. And then now you have the, the context where you have only about one who did that is to Bamal when they be young. Even white people. I said they were Rasta now too. So you have Rasta gone through the music and arise up some youth now outside of the confines of Jamaica. So when people look on Jamaica, it look like Rasta now. Tech pool. They must remember, say, you have Africa now where Rasta they were never used to there. We go to Ivory Coast, we go to Gambia, we go to Ghana, South Africa, and it's unbelievable. When people say, Rasta, why not Rasta? They go out again, you know. A joke in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, Pamani was Rasta, we trim now, maybe he was a Rasta to a trim to a Ghana, different ways. But you have people out there who, when you look at the people, they look at them, no man who used to Rasta, they know Rasta again, and they Rasta the image. When one man stop, ten man rise. I mean, I said that to me a rasta. I said that to me open mind and look on the thing and I say, all right, when you go and watch you go in a Jamaica, it's a rasta rise up in a Jamaica now. Rasta rise up in Africa. You want to go to Africa, go see rasta. You want to go to Cape Town and Pretoria, go see rasta. I feel it's more rasta they have South Africa than Jamaica right now. But people are looking at the core, the center, the thing, and I said, Boy, I'm not saying nobody for Rasta that Jamaica again, because maybe they've gone somewhere else. That's that. You said the one thing on the stage there where you said Rasta was getting enough light. Um, yeah, we're only for different things. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of broke that mold in Jamaica where some have said that you've crossed over. Yeah, you still kept your. Cross over where? In Jamaica. So, like a trillion line. Yeah, when, when they said cross over, you got mainstream. Yeah. True. Popularity yeah. of your yeah, but well, yeah, Rasta were mainstream before me. Martin Maplano was a mainstream Rasta and a philosopher, you know. Bob Marley, it attached the man that it mainstream long time. And just that now, we are come now, but I live where we are saying, All right, we are taking it from a liberty way rather than a biblical way. Experience, yeah, rather than just learn. You see, because we, we come up among some rasta whenever we know for real. But them know say if you chop bamboo in the moonlight, it will rattle quick. So they don't chop it in the moonlight, they chop it in the dark night. Them man they have an experience say, most rasta will be Bible and no more than When man cook under the earth, we are cooking food under the ground. We can make house without meal. Understand? We're trying a cocos bag. When we wear shoes and still a chop down bush here and there. 
See, I never asked them to go up, I'm going to smoke herbs. What if I asked that? What if I could ever know that? See, I'm always at the restaurant and I touch herbs. And this herbs is often associated with my Europeans. Well, then, like, that's, yeah, yeah, of course. We don't smoke herbs. We don't smoke herbs. But we defend herbs. Because it's the world of religion, them go on a certain persecution where it's not called for necessary. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so we fight faith where you see a boy in a Jamaica. No. But Roman says that you have a type of Rasta where if you start talking about him in my court, we don't say nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that, still, you know. But Rasta never did embed in the Bible. Rasta embed in the liberty. That's why I enter Rasta and the religion. Are you ready to be financially stable? Are you ready to have that perfect credit score? Are you ready to start your dream business? If you answered yes to any of the questions, then you're ready for the Dagger Squad. Dagger Squad Inc. provides professional services, including Credit repair. Dagger Squad Inc. specializes in the removal of negatives in the form of late payments, collection accounts, student loans, bankruptcy, judgments, and much more, holding the unofficial record of 26 deletions off of one report. After cleaning up your credit score, you might be interested in boosting it. Dagger Squad can help with the purchase of trade lines. Also referred to as authorized users, trade lines are aged lines of credit used to boost credit scores by piggybacking off of the account in good standing. We've sold lines from Citibank, Chase, and Capital One, just to name a few. We also have the Z Black Card, the top prepaid rewards card that pays you for referring friends and family. Unlike other prepaid cards, the Z Black Card isn't loaded with fees. Why should you have to pay to add or remove your money? Here at the Dagger Squad, we believe in no monthly fees, no load or withdrawal fees, no transfer or balance inquiry fees, and the list goes on. Hey, peace, peace, peace. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? For the Mutabaruka interview, you can go to Got Kush TV. Got Kush TV, and they have all the information on that particular issue. I want to say shout out to all the people that are listening live. Uh, this is your brother Garfield, and we're going to have a little fun this morning, all right? So for those who are out there who is listening to the show, peace and love to you, and thanks for joining today. Um, the instructional and uh, the the um the teaching part of the main part of the show is actually over. Yeah. All right. Anybody wants the link to come on? I see Don La T Don La Two made a claim. Is he still in the chat? Um. Don La too, do you want to get the link and come on or do you want to call in this morning with your information? Because you were actually saying something in the chat about Senumet and Joseph is the same person. I have never heard that in my life. So I would love for you to call in and teach the people 1-800-518-2817. 
because I mean I'm 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 here I'm here for new information all day. So 1-800-518-2817. And you could actually call in and teach us this morning about that. Let me send the link out to my brother Unc. Um, let me go to my Facebook and send Unc the link right now. All right, let me get the link to the brother. We could do what we got to do. All right. And I hope it works today for Brother Unk. And um, let's do what we got to do. Let's do what we got to do. All right. All right. So we got over 500 views this morning on Facebook. That's pretty good, man. I might end up with like around 1,000. So that's good. And that's without no major promotion. I ain't got no machine. People with the quick fingers promote me hard. So that's beautiful. And then on YouTube, I might get around, probably like around 1,000 to 1,500 in the morning. So I'm, pretty, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing my thing. Doing my thing. Contrarian thinker. What's up, beloved? You can't handle the truth, Garfield. <laughs> All right, anybody want to call in the number is 1-800-518-2817. Ezekiel 19.1 is the prophecy about Selassie. All right, come on in, brother. Yes, sir. You want to call mommy? Not right now. All right. When I'm finished, you could call mommy. Okay? Okay. All right. So in the meantime, can you finish what we talked about over there? Yes. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, sir. All right. So um, anyone out there would like to call in and have a discussion this morning about the stuff that we showed, or if you want to talk about history or anything that's on your mind, I'm open to have a fear conversation this morning. And of course, for those who don't know me, I do not believe African-Americans are the descendants of the people in the Bible. All right. I do not believe that. I don't think it's it's factual. I don't think we could prove it through archaeology, anthropology, history, um, through linguistics and through genetics, which is DNA. I don't think we can, it can be proven. And those are the five things that I surround myself with to try to prove to try to prove things. And try to make it an actual fact. There is no proof that Hebrews or Israelites migrated to America. All right? If someone can bring evidence and we could go through it like two civilized human beings, I'm willing to have that conversation. I'm willing to listen to you. As a matter of fact, Friday, Jeremiah Judah, I'm trying to get um, Jeremiah Judah, Gorilla Hebrew, um, James Cassell. I'm trying to get Genesis 49ers. I'm trying to get Sherry Love, and she's going to bring a guest. We're trying to have a nice little dialogue, you know, you know, that we could have and we could do. But, hey, you know, it's up to the people. I mean, those are some civilized human beings that we can have a conversation with. I mean, Gorilla Hebrew has much respect from me and the House of Consciousness. We do respect that brother, and we think he brings a lot to the table. Shout out to Amir, the baby boss. All right. ADOS got a float at the Caribbean Day Parade over my dead body. Jerry Judah. <laughs> Yo, you funny, pseudo slayer. <laughs> All right. So what's going on, family? What do y'all want to talk about this morning, man? What's on your mind? Is there anything in the video we need clarification about? I think home team actually history actually did the best job when it comes to wider. I did a lousy job with it. 
I think they've done one of the best jobs. And you know what? The funniest thing is we're all saying the same thing, but some people just say it better than some. That's all it is. We've been talking about wider for years. I've been talking about wider for six years. Say hello to the people. Hi. So what's up? What's up? Monster dad. Monster dad. All right. Ebony knowledge, what's up? Jabbar Thomas, if you could email me that link, I will play it. I will play the video. All right. So you got your little girlfriend in the chat. Her name is Mika. Say hi, Mika. Hi, Mika. Say, come and get me, Mika. Come and get me, Mika. <laughs> All right, man. So, um, yeah, they do provide their sources in the video. They put it below. Don't be, don't be trying to be a hater, Sean. My dad. All right. Don't be trying to be a My hater. Well, we are the sources. Get the hell out of here, man. Don't be a hater. Thank you. Thank you, Daddy. Um, the group they're called Thank the Home Team History. Thanks, Daddy. Now, Don Law Two, are you gonna call in, my brother? I'm here. I'm here. I'm doing the show. Why don't you go back over there? Here you go. Take this. So this is all you want. There you go. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. So come on, come on, family. Come on. Anybody want to call? You don't have my email address. I, I guess the moderator's not doing. I'm gonna have to take some people's wrenches. They're not doing their job, Jabbar Thomas. It's dagger squad the number one at gmail.com. I don't have your email address. It's dagger squad the number one at gmail.com. All right. Um, here we go. We got our first caller today. Peace and love. Peace and love, my brother. How are you doing today? Yeah, you heard. <laughs> What's on your mind, beloved? <laughs> you heard? What's on your mind, right. beloved? Uh, yeah, you going on the Hebrews? I want to know. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not going. I'm not going in on the Hebrews. I'm having a conversation about the Hebrews. So if they have information that would prove, as a matter of fact, they are not even Hebrews. They are Africans who are claiming to be right. Hebrews. Okay. Um, so I want to ask, I want to ask, do you believe that the Israelites actually existed? And if they, if they did, who are they today? All right. Do I believe, I don't believe that Israelites existed. I know people claim to be Israel that existed. I could prove that. The science proves that. It proves it through archaeology. It proves it. And what it proves is that they are actually Canaanites, which actually contradicts the biblical scripture because the Canaanites are looked at as enemies. They actually came out of the Canaanites. The Canaanites are several groups. You have the Ammonites, you have the Edomites, you have the Moabites, you have all type of ites that existed. They are actual people who reside in Canaan, whether they were Harib, Haripu, Apiru, the Shasu, it doesn't matter. These are all people from Canaan. It's just that Israel was just a separate group, just like Edom was their own kingdom. Ammon was their own kingdom. Moab was their kingdom. Isn't it ironic, my brother, that we have a brother by the name of Nobujar Ali who claimed we are the Moabites? Then we have black folks in America claiming that we are the Israelites. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? I, I'm saying if I was to able to invent a, a, a doctrine right now, 
Ammonites. The doctrine is we are Ammonites, and I could prove it. I could prove it. I could use the same logics they use and say we're Ammonites. All right? So um, I do believe a place called Israel existed is proven in the Misha Stele from the, eighth, from the ninth century, and it's also proven with the Teldan Stele. Um, in Egypt, it's alleged, or you know, the scholarship is um, the consensus says that Israel was the people that was called in Egypt. It wasn't called a nation; it was only called a people at that time period. And that time, that time period, they were living actually in Canaan, which was called Retenu by the Egyptians. So they would be Retenuans, you know, instead of Canaanites um, or Israelites. They would be Retenuans because they were under the rule of Egypt at the time. Egypt control that region. So, yes, sir, I do I believe a place was called Israel. Yes, I do believe that. I do know that. I don't believe okay. that. I know that. So, so we, so we established that they existed. Now, what did they, they look like phenotypically? Phenotypically, um, according to what I have looked at, I've looked at some pictures. If you want me to put them on the screen, I could put up some pictures on the screen. Phenotypically, we do have some um, some Nubian pictures that a lot of the Hebrew Israelites put up with the beards and the, the, the Africanized features. We do have that because the, um, the Nubians did assist them during the time of the Assyrians, so they were captured. Now, we do have pictures of Israelite women. If you want, I could put that on the screen, and you could tell me what you think phenotypically what the Israelite woman looked like. And I don't think you're going to be happy. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be happy with how they looked. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have. I'm, I'm indifferent. I don't have a. I'm not, I'm not an Israelite, so it doesn't matter. All right. Um. So let me ask you though. Do you have the uh, Assyrian? Um. There's like a. There's like a Assyrian tablet or kind of like a steel that uh, that shows the Israelites being brought out of captivity. Is that a legitimate yes. archaeological find? Yes. Out of which captivity? Okay. Out of. Out, I mean, you when you Sinarchib, when Sinarchib, Sinarchib, the Lashish relief. You have the Lashish relief. Leaf. You have the prism of Sinarchid, and they have those primaries where they show them drawing what the people look like. Mm -hmm. Okay, and also I want to go back to where you said they were Canaanites, which mm -hmm. which is um, admitted in the Torah. The Torah, the Judah, the first uh, woman he marries is a, is a Canaanite, if I can recall. No, I don't. I don't um, think. So I don't think. I, I'm sorry. Finish your point, my brother. Go ahead. I was interrupting. You. My bad. So and and. Uh, but what I'm saying is, if you're saying they're Canaanites, then what you're say, essentially saying is that they're Africans, because Canaanites are descendants of Ham, brothers of Canaanites uh, are not Canaanites are not descendants of Ham, my brother. That is a biblical mindset. We have been corrupted to accept this Ham stuff. Ham is not the progenitor of Black people. Black people already lived in Nubia. We already lived. A matter of fact, they found ancient houses that Africans built 15,000 years ago. The oldest houses that they found in history are found in Africa, in what we call so-called Nubia today. But the, pro the problem is those people are the people that came up into Egypt. The Egypt, they say they come from the south, like Dr. Ben mentioned. So that's what it is. So what we need to do is stop using the term. Once you say Hamites, you are accepting the, what's called the Hamitic hypothesis, the theories behind Ham, which has ruined Africans today. The reason why we were actually enslaved and it was justified was one, because of the biblical text, and two, because of the Hamitic hypothesis, which was portrayed throughout the Talmud that blacks are, we have elongated penises and we were cursed to have elongated penises. And two, we were cursed dark-skinned black. 
so that we were we were to be enslaved because we are the descendants of Canaan who was said to be the um the um curse be Canaan the children of you know the descendants the grandson of Ham or whatever 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 so they justified it so let's stop right. using Ham because that's speaking from a slave mentality a slave mindset what I, we I need to do going, is I, I know I know I know but the story, but the story, I don't, I don't accept the story. That premise is, that's what we need to do. We need to start the premise from where we start from in Africa. That's where the oldest fossils we have found in the world come from. Over 300,000, 200, 300,000 years ago, we found them in Africa, whether in Morocco, whether in East Africa, wherever we find the oldest, um, oldest fossils in Africa. The issue now is once you start saying Canaanites and all this different stuff, you are putting yourself in a paradigm, Hamites. You see, the, the greatest question you could ask, brother, for somebody that believes this is, if you are from Shem, the line of Shem, why is God giving you the land of Ham if the Canaanites are Hamites? Because remember, Canaan is the land that God is giving them. Why didn't he give them the land of where Shem is? Why didn't he find a land in Shem's land? To give them. Why give them the land of Canaan? Because the biblical text is a political book. It was never to be looked at as a historical book. The only way Israel lights today, the only way Arabs could claim that land is because of the text that they use called the Bible and the Quran. They can't, they can't get it no way because guess what? Their old thinking is that God gave us this land, so this land is ours. So it's a political thing. It really don't have nothing to do with the actual text because that book is a political book that Judaism built up. And what it was is the people that built Judaism weren't the real original historical people of the land, the indigenous people. They did not build that book. The people that built that book were people who are mixed with Persians, who were mixed with Assyrians. The priesthood was destroyed. That's why you find the teachings changing over a time period when the Persians took over. What you find, family, this book is a, is a trading book. Whenever they're going to trade, they want to make sure you convert to Judaism. So these are the rules you have to follow if you follow Judaism. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not rob from their brother. Thou shall, they could, they, once you become a Judah, Jew, you now are in league with them and could do business with them because now they could develop a trust. So what they did is they converted the Berbers. The Berbers then now traveled from Morocco all the way to Mali. So the Berbers were carrying this religion, this converting. It's all about converting people. That's all Judaism is. That's why I call Judaism to use a, a, a statement from the Bible. It's the mark of the beast because the world can operate without Judaism. Think about it. There is no Christianity without the Old Testament. There is no Islam without the Old Testament. So if these... People didn't put it in a book form at the Council of Jamnia in night. Remember, there's no Bible before the AD era, brother. Remember that. People, don't, people keep forgetting that. There's no Bible before the AD era. The Septuagint was a group, a small group of books. That's fine. But as far as a Bible that the Jews put together, the Council of Nicaea is what put it together. So when you find, there's a book, I, can't, I need to get that book also. It talks about the trade of Jews trading with each other and how they develop a relationship. And a matter of fact, that book that I put up the other day, that um, Truth Story, and went and downloaded it and, and quote the page real fast, because I know he didn't read the book. Um, the fact is, 
that book talks about Jews robbing each other. Like, how, you know how drug dealers will rob another drug dealer? The Jews in the medieval time was robbing each other. And it goes deep into the Tostari family, the, um, the Nisam family, and how these people were the people who stem from the people from Babylonian academies who came up and developed and started converting people to Judaism. People don't need to know why we even have this religion. Divine Prospect did a video the other day, a couple months ago, about the Halakhic Jews and how they, the form of Judaism you find in Africa connects to the Halakhic system. So it's really the wrong Judaism. Any Judaism you follow that's after the exile is not the right religion. Is not the right religion. Because remember, remember this, remember this. We got proof that the Sabbath existed. Remember this, family. Remember this. The, let me say it again. The people that are Jews are really converts. There's no such thing as an original Jew. There's no such thing. Because, remember, the Deuteronomic writer is writing from the southern Judah kingdom. And his version of Judaism is different than the northern kingdom. The, in the northern kingdom, what we find, family, is... Hold on, puppy. Listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you kind of filibustering a little bit, man. I, but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. My bad, my bad, brother. I got, I got it, I got in the Holy Spirit a while ago. The Holy Ghost took me over. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so, um, so we, I was I disagree. I think I think the people that are in the area today, that's how the Israelites looked. I'm not using this whole, they're black. They might be dark skin. They might be some light skin one, but they're pretty much in the middle. I, I'm saying this again. They're called Arabs because Arabs represent Semites. Semites is semi. Semi means half. You're half black. You're half white. It's basic. We are stopped. We need to stop looking at these people. Hold on. We need to stop looking at these people. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, brother. We need to stop looking at... Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna let me respond to what you said, bro. You're gonna give me a chance to respond to what you said. Can I get a chance to respond to what you said? Do we need first of all, we need to take color out of the conversation. We need to take it out of the conversation. Period. Because that's where we're gonna go wrong. Because I could show you images right now, and these people, based off their phenotypes, don't look like sub-Saharan Africans. They don't. I, I could, as a matter of fact, I could show you a picture on the screen right now. I'm going to show a picture on the screen right now. You, what I'm saying is you made a, a big error. I, don't, I hate to use the word pseudo, but it, it, uh, in, in terms of etymology, you use the word semite to, to denote that it means semi or mixed or half or whatever. That is that is like, that's by pseudo. That, that, okay, so, so what does, what like does, that. okay, what does, what does, what does, semi, also, what does semi means? Semi is just a derivative of, of shem. It's all, all, oh, it's a, it's a derivative of what? Of what word? Shem. 
Okay, Shem. so so Shem, what does Shem mean? It has nothing to do with semi. It has nothing to do with semi. That's an English word, semi. Or right, so the word semi is half in English. We speak in English. Shem is English. Yeah, but Shem, Shem has something to do with semi. So oh, -I. okay, okay. You know what? I'll give you that. Any type of linguistic gymnastics, I'll give you that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm pseudo on that. Who cares? But the point I'm trying to yeah, make I is know. I speak English, brother, so semi is high. So let me also go back to you're saying the Canaanites are not black, okay? And I never said I never said they black or white. I said they're mixed people. And some could be dark skinned, some could be light skinned. They're, they're amalgamation of different cultures, brother. You see, that's the problem. Okay. We want everybody to be black. That's the problem. I, I, but I'm telling you, you're coming, you're coming. All right, hold on a second. What you're doing, though, you are talking from a faulty premise, as my brother Unc would say. The faulty premise is, is that the Bible is telling a real history. That's a faulty premise. There's no such person as Shem. There's no such person as Ham. There's no such person as Japhet. What it is, it's a part of a foundational myth where people are what you would call them eponymous metaphors that's what they are they are eponymous metaphors and what these people are you use an eponymous metaphor because it's called etiology etiology is what people used to write in the ancient near east is when they're writing a foundational myth and the foundational myth you use characters we have shem ham and japheth in other cultures too not only in this biblical character ca character we have it let me see if my brother could come in here quick minute here. Let me see my brother. I think I hear you, brother. Say something real quick. Oh, man. Hey, man. Oh, man. Are your computer talking in my ears? Oh, I wanna, man. I want to get back to the Canaanites because Canaanites Kyle. I'm going to go with the argument that the, the, the original Israelites were Canaanites. I want to, we got to, I pinpoint because. What you got? You got a Mac or a regular computer? I got to get my brother on here, man. I don't care what you're saying, Carla. You Kyle. can talk for 10 hours. Keep talking, man. I got to get my brother in here, man. So, so what, are you, what are you doing, man? You, you don't want to face, like, the discussion. You say you want to have a discussion. No, no, no. I'm saying keep talking. I'm, trying, I'm trying to get Unk. Oh, you don't know what's going on. My bad. What's going on is Unk okay. has the link, and I'm trying to get him in the chat so he could Trial. talk. But what happened is, for some reason, I can't hear my brother, man. Trial. Damn, man. So, Go ahead, though. Keep talking, though. Make your point. Yeah, my, my thing, my thing is okay. You can throw out the, myth, the mythology, regardless of what the Bible. And now we're getting to muddy waters because when you say the Canaanites are not black, you, I mean, that's like it has nothing to do with saying, oh, uh, trying to be Jews or anything. But that's just like saying the ancient Egyptians are not black because if you Trial. look at antiquity, if you look at archaeology, the, 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 the culture is similar. The, the, the all over you can you hear me right? Yeah, yeah, you good? All right, cool. All right, all right. Call it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Call it. Yeah, hello. Okay, Papi. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. We could hear you. Are they ancient Egyptian sub-Saharan Africans? They know of Africans, and, and, and they, 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 they sub-Saharan Africans, 
they 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 come from Central Africa, right? And, and some come from Northern Africa. Okay, phenotypically, the ancient Egyptians were they passed for a, a quote unquote modern day uh, black man? Yeah, Depends. yep, absolutely. Yep. Depends, yep. Depends on which time period you're talking about. No, nah, you can just pull it up on. Um, remember, we did that, uh, Garfield. You, you can pull it up on. Um, you just go straight to Wikipedia, and they tell you what what, what they was. Remember, remember the, the read the invading race theory. We did all that. Remember, Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, yeah, they like like African Americans. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not the canonized though. Can you? Hold on, brother. Before you go, though, before you go, I do want I do want to make a point to you. We can't automatically talk and accept the Bible as true history. We have to look at it in context. You see, before before 800 BC, that time period, there's really nothing true about the biblical text. It's not there's nothing a hundred like we say in the community we say that's a hundred man we, I'm a that's a hundred you're right no you can't say that about the 800 BC before that time period you see after 800 BC is where we see a development we had a spot named Israel we can't deny that there was a short kingdom called Israel a very short period of time like probably 50 years 30 years a very short period of time what happened is the people that rewrote the text and redacted text from before created a foundational myth to add to what those people may have wrote. So that's where you have like an Abraham story. You have a um a Moses coming, that character comes in. Because if you look at the, the, the um the, the prophets that wrote early before the exile, they don't mention Moses. They don't mention Moses at all. And that says a lot. If that document is true, why are you not mentioning the most important figure in Judaism? Because he was a figure that was made up later. So you find this figure Moses in almost every culture. You find a Moses type in, 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 in Egypt. You find a Moses, several Moses in Greek. You find Moses in Assyrian culture. You find Moses in Zoroastra. You find Hammurabi in the culture going up on a hill, the mountain to get um, texts. So you have that all over. So it's not that it's true. So when you say that, oh, the, the, the Bible says this is Hammond. Now nah, we ain't got time for that, bro. We don't accept that. That's a faulty premise from the jump. So, so what was he saying about the canonized? What was his point with the canonized? I, I, I never said it. I never said that the mythology was real or that you can use it as a you know, historical premise. My whole point is, I was just going along with what they were saying. Being, if, we're, if you're saying that the canonized are not right, or if the Bible, if we're going to go by the, the, the narrative that's in the Bible, then they're saying that they're related. And I'm saying yeah. to the Bible. If you throw away the Bible, you just throw it away, discard it completely. You still see the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know they you you know they never was in that area to even talk about that area, though. Know, you do understand it, right? They wouldn't they would I said they never would, would the authors of the the, 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 the uh the book of Genesis these people never was in Africa to know where people was coming from. So they, they talking about people in their area. You, you feel me? You feel me? I can't hear what you're saying. I said the authors of the biblical narratives during those time periods that we talking about when you looking at Shem, Ham, and Jephthah, 
when they write that narrative, they never was even in Africa to tell you where the Egyptians came from. They don't know. They just making it up. They don't know the can. They just hooked the Canaanites together with the Egyptians. They just put all that together. That's not, you know what I'm saying? That's not a, 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 a basis to understand real human migration. We got to use DNA. You know what I'm saying? We got to use archaeology. That's just that. That's just their, myth their mythology. We can't look at that right now and say, yeah, Egyptians come out of the line of the Canaanites. Man, come on, man. We, it's 2019. We, we, you know, we could just put the science on that. Seriously. I agree. That's what I'm saying. As far as the mythology, throw the mythology away. What I'm saying is, without the mythology, if we're looking at archaeology, if we're looking at history, if we're looking right. at uh, different steels, do you see a correlation? Do you see that they're related, ancient Egyptian, ancient, ancient Egypt and uh, Canaanites? Yes, no. No, the Egyptians don't mention. No, they they looked at it as being fun. I think you need to do a little bit more research. If you look at, I mean, the pantheon of deities. If you look at the Altair crown. If you look at so many different things. You saw like Lord. Are you a more? You saw like you saw like a more. He just made a mistake. He just made a mistake. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead with the. So we know you got Canaanite deities in Egypt. What does that mean? We know that you got Canaanite prayers. So, so what's your point on that? We know that. We study that. What's the point? That don't mean they came from each other. I mean, I just disagree, but I mean, I'm not really invested in it too much. I just wanted to get your point of view and see, you know, who's black. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so you don't agree that the Egyptians had Canaanite prayers? You can find Canaanite prayers and some Canaanite deities. Do you agree to that? Canaanite prayers? Yeah, they got you, you, Canaanite spells. And and Canaanite deities in Egypt. Do you do you know about that? Yeah, I know about that. Okay, so you you so you you almost tried to use it to say that they were some kind of re, some kind of way culturally related. Is 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 that what you're saying? Because you say you say do a little more studying. So I wanted to show you that I did do a little more study. I'm saying they're culturally related based on the practices and based on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. I, if you can go to the little, look at the walls. Look at the walls and how they depicted the Canaanites, the Philistines. <laughs> they were called sea people. They called, the, the ancient Egyptians called them sea peoples. Or you know, the Bible calls sea them people. Oh, you just made that up. Gotta get up to date. Sea peoples were Greeks. The sea people. <laughs> sea people. <laughs> you mean the ones that fought against the Hittites? Yes, sir. He's talking about the ones that destroyed the whole goddamn system. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Consider today in scholarship Greeks, yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, so, so that's that, that's what they said, Garfield. They figured out who the CD was. Uh, hold on a second, guys. So, okay, so no, the C peoples are not the canonized, bro. Where you get that from? Where's your source on that? They were pretty much an amalgamation of different peoples in the area. Mm. Right. Peoples, huh? But you said Canaanites, though. Yeah, but I was trying to. I'm trying to figure out which who's who. Who do you consider black and who's not, basically? All of them is black. Shit. The the, the, the Everybody look at the Mediterranean Sea. Everybody people of color during that time period. But just because you approach at India are people of color. You 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 got the, the the Southern Native Americans, they people of color. But just because you're a person of color, you know what I'm saying, does not mean that you are a, a, a your, your ancestors during that time period come from Africa. 
That don't mean that. That means you're afforded the protection from the sun is why your skin will be like the brown. They reside in zone two. The Mediterranean is in zone two. You feeling me? You come to, you come to Mesoamerica, right? That's on the equator. Parts of America is in zone two. Florida, you know what I'm saying? Mexico, these places are zone two. So these people aren't pale-skinned people at all. So, I mean, we ain't going to let skin color determine, you know what I'm saying, your ancestral, uh, 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 you know, habitat. That's crazy. All right. I'll let you don't get you don't get that. You don't get that. Huh? You don't understand that. No, I, I, I agree to some to some extent because the the Garfield was alluded to earlier that there was mixing going on. There was mixing going on in that region. It wasn't just one. I ain't talking about mixing. I'm not I'm not even talking about mixing. I ain't even talking about mixing is why somebody's skin is brown. You don't have to mix to have brown skin. You don't have to mix with uh continental Africans to have brown skin, bro. You just got to be in an area where biologically you're fighting off of the harmful UVA rays. Did you understand that? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that you have to mix to be have brown skin. What I'm saying is, just historically, there was a number of different ethnic groups in that region. With me and Garfield were going over earlier, Canaanites, Amalekites, Ammonites, uh, Edomites, etc., all those were in the region, so there was obviously some kind of mixing going on. Okay, but how does that help your claim that the Canaanite was African? Egyptians as well. I mean, yeah, in the Delta. Like I said, in the Delta. I, I don't, if, I, if I had my stuff together, then I could be able to really put forth information. But I don't. I'm not prepared, so I was just really? going off the head and just you figuring should. out what was a joke, what was not. I'm coming off the head too. You should have it together when you come on the show. You, if you're coming off the head, you, you should have your references memorized so we can get to it. Don't come on average. This, you know, this is above average show, bro. You know, this is above average show. You know who you're going to be dealing with. Don't come in here half stepping. Don't do it. No, I'm not. Listen, no, we won't. If it's listen, listen, hold on. I am not in the business, and I know Garfield is not, right? The families, we're not in the business of calling something pseudo or pseudoscientific if that's not what it is. You could just be wrong and use a bad source, or the source could be outdated. That does not make you pseudo. But, but what's important for the conversation and the people listening is that you at least have to provide a, a source. So, and that's how we grow and learn, by, by critiquing and reading sources. I, I'm, man, plenty of people will come on the show and bring something that we're not aware of, that I got to study up on. That's, I mean, that's part of the discourse. That's why we do it. Well, we gunfighters. And if you're an intellectual gunfighter, you're going to get shot at times. And that's okay. Because when you get shot is when you grow. So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to call you so pseudo, not less it's goddamn pseudo. All right, I'm going to put this out there because I, I was pretty much kind of hiding my hand, but I'll just throw it yeah, up. Why? And then, Hide your hand, see? That's it. <laughs> Go ahead. What's the source? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, this is, this is my strong This is my strong position. I, I, I strongly position myself to say that the Canaanites were pretty much the, the, um, that West Africans to some degree, descent from Canaanites, and the Canaanites were Negro people, phenotypically, and that you could find Canaanite culture in West Africa. 
And uh, who I'm talking? Who I'm talking to? Yeah. Hello. I heard you. Who is it? Who I'm talking to, brother? Okay. Who this? Salam Hill. Salam Hill. All right. So you say the West Africans descended from? Do Do you got a map? <laughs> So you speak, so you speak, you, you understand Phoenician? Yeah, I understand. I'm asking you a question. Do you, do you understand Phoenician? I can read, I can read the Hebrew. I can read the Torah. You can read the ancient Hebrew, right? I'm talking the Phoenician, not the, he, not, the, not, the, not, the, not the Hebrew with the, um, with the diacritic mark. I'm not talking that. I'm talking with the ancient. I'm not talking with the vowel points. I'm talking with the, the regular. Phoenician script. Can you read it? No, I can't. All right. So now, can you read Yoruba's writing script? Can you read that? There's no script for Yoruba. It's written in, uh, in regular English characters, Roman characters. All right. So if it's written in Roman characters, right? Okay. So that means that whatever they put down to us, the English, would it have the same meaning as we read it right now in English? Have you studied Yoruba Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Because a lot of people make this claim that there's some Canaanite connection. This goes back to why David Hennage have to do this stuff on this guy. What's his name? Um, That did um all this stuff. I'm not saying that there's no Canaanite. There's no possibly connection. I'm not saying no. I'm not shut the door. But just because you see the word LA I am. and then you see another word L, it doesn't mean it, it's pretty much the same L. It, it doesn't. And I think that's what you're doing. You're doing, you're doing what's called linguistic gymnastics. So we got to be careful. <laughs> we got to be careful. All I'm saying is, with all due respect, we got to be careful. Because remember, Yoruba, Yoruba, Yoruba is a part of West African Nigerian culture, right? So now, that's millions of people now, you're telling them, that they're connected to Canaan. So I would say let's 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 reconvene on this. Let's reconvene on this. Yeah, but what are you what are you saying then, Ron? What are you saying then, brother? I want to put the picture up. I'm gonna slow down for you. Okay. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, brother. Yeah, so that's just one thing. Okay, I'm just connecting the dots. Of course you can. That can you can say, okay, that's not that's not enough to suggest if there's an actual connection. What I'm saying is if you look at the Altel crown as well and the way they carved the deities, look at the West African carvings, the way they carved their deities, you can see the mm -hmm. actual resemblance, the, the dot on the top of the crown, 
the, the points on uh, the point of the crowd, the out top crowd, you could look at it and you could see it's the same thing, the way they position themselves, the way the king sits in the uh, the seat the, or his throne, the, the way that you're with, with it's identical. If you look at the Canaanite statue, it's the same thing. Identical. No, no, no. I'm no. using linguistics as well as, okay, you say not, that's what I said. No. I didn't want to be but I, 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 I should, I really, I'm going to get to my email and I'll, I'll send it, all the information to you. And then you can, you can, you can digest it how you want to. So, so you're not familiar with Asar, brother? With who? Asar. Asar. No, no, Asar. It's oh, Asar, the God Asar. Go ahead. You're not familiar with the crown he wears? You're not familiar with that. You're not, you're not familiar with, <laughs> with how close Canada is to Egypt and all that? You not you know like El looks like a, an Egyptian deity. Are you kidding me at this point? Like seriously, bro. Like how you gonna jump to West Africa and skip Egypt and then influence? You don't see that? I said L. L. Yeah, I, I told you that. I told you that there was there was there was pretty much a mixing of cultures back then. But what I'm saying is. So then why are you going to West Africa then? Why don't you just stay right there in Egypt where you can see L looks like I've been I seen it. Have you ever been to a museum? I've been to the museum in uh, what's it in Harlem uh, Golf Field? The yeah, museum? yeah. What is it? Metropolitan <laughs> Museum. Metropolitan Museum, and they got the statues. It was like no damn West African did. It's like an Egyptian did. You ain't know that? No, what you're saying is that, but what you're saying is that whatever you're saying is correct, and I'm just going to provide information, and you better take it and do whatever you want. So this is the pro this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem now. This is the problem. We can say um, there's a connection with West African deities. I mean, you could say whatever you want to say. Anybody could say that. All I'm saying is, if you're going to make a claim, you got to look at the big picture. What connection did West Africans per se have with that <laughs> Levant region at that period? It went, and then, and what did they have with Egypt also? Why couldn't they get it from Egypt when they got to get it from Canaan? Right next door. Oh, they got it from both. Okay. Okay. When? When did this happen? When? Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, don't explain it. When did this happen? This transmission. That's what I'm curious about. Let's get into that. Let me, give you the, let me give you the game. It happens in waves of migrations, okay? Every oral history in West Africa has a, 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 a story that they came from the east, whether it was from Sudan, uh, some have a story that came, they, they came from the Levant, and they some have stories that they came from uh, upper Egypt, right? All, of, all the West Africans, mostly uniformly, have uh, a oral tradition <clears throat> back to the east. Most of them do not come from West Africa. Um, so what I'm saying is, is that so for example with the Yoruba, there's many subs like under the Yoruba, there's many different sub tribes within the Yoruba. All right, stop, group. stop, stop right there, stop right there. And true story, thank you. I was about to go there. Do you know that we have E1B1A, right? Most West Africans, right? If not all, E1B1A, yeah, no, no, right? No, no, no. Now when right. you when when did when E1B1A came into West Africa, they migrated from one area to the next. Now historically speaking. The people who in West Africa actually migrated from an east, 
easterly direction. So technically, they did come from the east, but this is thousands of years ago. Now, as far as the east, say, for example, modern-day West Africa, right? Modern-day West Africa is not Wagadu. If they go back to Wagadu, they would be coming from the east. A lot of people migrate within Africa from the east. It's true, but not necessarily from the Sudan or from Arabia or from Israel or Canaan. Those things came in when Islam came into Africa. And you see the oral tradition starting to change. So if you read a book called Black and Slave, which I've showed by Mr. Goldberg several times, it actually kills um, Wesley Muhammad, who has a lot of arguments that are old. There's, there's some good arguments by Wesley. I'll give him that. But those arguments are old. Those things, if you look at the, the, the gentleman that did the whole thing on the Daomi kingdom, I forgot his name right now. It slips me off the top of my head. But his work is the preeminent work on oral traditions in West Africa. And what they found is that most of them, if not all, are legendary. Nobody comes from... I'm going to give a quick example. In the Yoruba culture, they say they come from... Um, they trace their roots to um, Muhammad's... Somebody who connected to Muhammad. They trace mm -hmm. their roots that they come from Mecca, right? But after Islam, they get colonized by Europeans. There's no more reference to Mecca no more. Now they come from Israel and Canaan. You see what happens? They change with the people who are in control, who are assisting with writing the oral history. Because we didn't used to write anything. We used to do it, pass it on orally. But as Brother Ben from Masiwara can school me one day on my timeline, he said, Garfield, if you go to the initiates in these cultures, they don't know nothing about these oral traditions. They don't talk about that stuff. They talk about what they've passed on for hundreds of years, but they don't talk about no Israel or no Mecca or no East or nothing like that. They don't talk. They might say they come from the East, but they're not necessarily referring to um, to Egypt or to, um, to, 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 to Israel or to Mecca or even Arabia. So that's what we need to look at. And I'm going to pull the book up, by the way, too, so that people could see the source and see what I'm talking about. It's not a joke. It is a problem we have with West African cultures are being superimposed on by colonizers who write. And then what happened is me and Unc live in the culture now. And 50 years after the white man wrote the history, we now go rewrite the history based on what the white man wrote. And, 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 and we already colonized because we Christian now. Me and Unc is Christian, and we're going to tell y'all y'all come from Canaan. It don't make no sense that how many hypotheses has murdered the West African culture up to this day, and that is the main problem. But go ahead, go ahead, Unc. I know you had something to say. Yeah, I, I just want to say that um, you can go around the globe and everybody got a story where they came from, and all of them are wrong. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, National Geographic, they did an actual study. Um, get, the, get, get the particular uh, National Geographic one when they're talking about, like, skin color. And they, they got the two twins on the magazine. You familiar with that one, uh, Garfield? Yeah, with the two white, the white, the white, the white. And um, one of them was white and one of them was black or something like that. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I suggest everybody read that uh, particular value of National Geographic. And basically what's going on is that uh, human beings always have all types of stories where they come from. Hell, you got people in America, Africans in America, African-Americans, that think they actually, you know, came from here. They don't even know they came from Africa half the damn time. Uh, we had that conversation yesterday about, you know, my main man from Baltimore was talking about how, you know, mo a lot of people in the city don't know Wait. that they're African. 
So imagine them passing that story on, right? They just would be wrong. Uh, to, to, to accurately accurately figure out where you came from, uh, you just simply take a DNA test. You know what I'm saying? Where they, where they can measure, you know what I'm saying, genetic drift, you know what I'm saying, uh, um, you know, the SNPs, and you can figure out where you came from. And so, you know, by the time we get the West African people, we know how, we know when they migrated there, when they got there. We know that right now. So we don't want to hear all that I came from here, there, and the other. We don't even you. We don't. That, that, that's a bunch of malarkey, based off 2019 uh, technology. So you're going out you're going out the oral tradition, huh? Is that what you're saying? I'm yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying throw it away. And I know I get a lot of flack for it, but I'm telling you, the oral tradition ain't as thorough as the DNA in your blood. That's the point I'm making. Absolutely. Because you can write about, I came from anywhere. You Right now, you got people swearing they Native Americans and writing about it. That, and that's their tradition. They write a, make an oral tradition. So no, 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 no. We're not going to go for that. Nope. Okay. I'm not buying an oral tradition, bro. Okay, so you, so, so you do, so West Africa in terms of the oral tradition, you, know, you don't rock with it. Is that what you're saying? No, I rock with DNA. You rock with DNA? DNA going to trump that. With, uh, yeah, everybody got oral tradition. So the Native Americans yeah. that are here, their oral traditions say that they always was in America. Is that is that true? But here, here's the thing. You don't just stop with oral tradition. You also follow up with different, uh, different methods of, of gathering facts. You can't just stop at oral tradition. Oral tradition is just one way of gathering information. Then you kind of got to parallel with different other, you know, fact findings. So I want to throw out. I kind of asked you a question. You got Native American population say they came from America. Is that true? Listen to the question, brother. We can't jump. Yeah, yeah, he, he keeps going to Native Americans. That's neither here nor there. I'm talking about West Africa. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm asking a question. Just say you don't want to answer the question. Just say you don't want to answer the question. I'm, I'm asking you the question for a reason. Wait, 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 wait. You have Native American, you have Native American oral tradition that say they can't, they was always in America. I'm saying, is that true? I don't know. There's a theory that they came from Asia. The very straight. No, they say they always was in America. They didn't come from no nowhere. They was always in America. Is that true? That's their oral tradition. I just I just said I don't know. Okay, you do know because we know that all human beings start out in Africa first. So we know that ain't true. What they did know was is that they humble group formed in America. That's why when the African American act like he's a Native American, we know that that Native American humble group actually formed in America. As a matter of fact, we had a sister on the show and she was talking about the particular baby that they dug up and found that they had that peculiar uh, uh, hodl group type. I think it was the Azen baby or something like that, um, Garfield, where it had that hodl group that you only find in the Americas. The, Q1 the Q1A1A. I think that's what it is. The Q1A1A. That oral tradition is cool, right? But it ain't scientific. It's cool, but it's not. So you got oral traditions of where human beings came from. You got oral tradition of your cosmology. Everybody got it, bro. And they was all wrong when it came to the origins of humanity. They was just wrong. And that's okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I think it's dope to have your own oral tradition.
But I'm not going to sit up here and act like that in West Africa. They came from Egypt, man. Come on, man. That's, and, or, or they came from the line of Muhammad. They say that too. Or, the, or you got some old tradition where they might say that they was Hebrews. Get out of here with that. And let me read, let me read this from um the book called. Hola, hola, hola! One second. Older scholarship accepted the historicity of these migration stories. The consensus of scholarship today, however, does not. Robin Law and others have concluded that the Yoruba stories are legendary. The more general view nowadays, at least among academic historians, is that these traditions of migration are to be explained by the expansion of the influence of Islam in sub-Saharan Africa in relatively recent times. The concern of African peoples to claim origin from the Islamic world reflects no more than a desire to relate themselves to what was seen as prestigious world civilization. So when you look at, similarly, Murray Last wrote of the house accounts in the Kano Chronicle that they are almost wholly legendary reflecting 16th or 17th century ana anachronisms. An indication of the Islamic influence is the adoption of various Muslim traditions and personalities in these stories of origins. As law has shown, these traditions and personalities were adapted even to fashion stories that legitimate opposition to Islam. The claim of origins in the East goes beyond the Yoruba and the Hausa. Law mentions the kings of Ghana who claim descent from the Caliph Ali, the son-in-law and fourth successor of Muhammad, the founder of the first royal dynasty in Shanghai, believed to be of Yemeni origin. The royal dynasty in Mali, which claimed descent from two companions of Muhammad, and the royal dynasty in Borno, which claimed descent from Saif ibn Dai Yazan, who, although living before the time of Muhammad, can be thought of as a proto Islamic hero, as a defender of Mecca against Christian imperialism. I read all of this to say that um, the explanation given for these genealogies that they reflect the inhabitants desire to relate themselves to what was seen as a prestigious world civilization makes sense for the genealogies that are traced to Muslim or proto-Muslim heroes. But how can they explain the traditions that, that consider the ancient ancestors to have been Canaan, who is not considered to be the forefather of Muslim Arabs? The Arabs trace their genealogy to Shem, not to Canaan. The answer seems to lie in the common Muslim tradition examined above, which goes back to the 7th century, that Canaan was the ancestor of the Kushites and other dark-skinned African peoples. It does not seem unreasonable. It does not seem unreasonable to conclude that this tradition influenced some of the inhabitants of West Africa as Islam moved westward into the country. All right, go ahead, Carla. You can respond. Yeah, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. I said it. Yeah. 
No, hell no. No, they ain't see no stars in the sky. No, they didn't. Nope, none of that. Nope, not buying it. Nope. And I ain't in trouble for it. Because I respect the right of people to have old tradition, though. But that don't mean I got to accept it as the basis. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm dealing with science. So if you can't prove it with science, then 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 we'll just wait for a better answer. So no, I do not think the Dogon came from the water. I do not think the Dogon seen that star. No, I do. No, I do not. Nope. Nope. Sure don't. They didn't see they saw the star. They, I didn't. And, and, and I'm saying, and I'm saying that they didn't see it. Based off not having technology, to see it. that's what I'm saying. That's, that's another story for another time, brother. That's broken down. <laughs> Actually, I could do it in one, two, three, but then you're going to ask me questions, and I don't want to go through that. But the doggone is something that I actually, in secret, studied because my Asari Motep beat me up online one day about it and said, you ain't read what's his name work. So I had to go back and read the work, and I got that homework now. I'm telling you, that whole doggone, let me tell you something, man. We talk about Egypt, um, God killer. We talk about Egypt. These black people in America hold on to this Doga stuff so hard, bro. Yep. Oh, yep. man. Um, so what did, what did the saw say? What did the saw say? What was he, he was just mad that I didn't read the work. I only read the critics. I only read the people that went there and went behind what's his name work. You know, so mm -hmm. he's not saying what is true or not. He just saying I should have read the work before I criticized it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to read the work, man. Yeah. Read the work. So I went back. Yeah, we know they ain't seen no goddamn going. Come on, man, with that, man. True story. You really believe science proved it after the Dogon, bro? You really believe that, true story? You really believe that? He ain't say that. I know he's playing. He's joking. What? You pretty much don't run with West Africa then. You're not a West African then, basically. You're doing West Africa. That don't mean I had to believe it. Damn. You see, that's that. You see, that's that Judo Christian mindset. That's that Judo Christian mindset, brother. Or just you know, not your life. Wait, wait, wait a little bit. So, what I'm saying, the basis of culture and identity is based on somewhat of the mythology. That's how you get initiated into your culture. I, I know, I, I know, brother. That's cool. But I'm saying that's okay. Yo, I, I respect mythology. It's, it's pretty much forged with the, with the mythology to some extent. So, you're I know, but the myth, but mythology does not have to align. That's why they call it mythology, yo, because it ain't gonna line up with science. Which is cool. I think it's dope to have West. I, I I love West African mythology. Sit down with my kids and tell them a West African mythological story. That's dope. Just like it was dope to tell them about Santa Claus. Right up to it started costing you money. You realize that shit was dumb. You know, my mother and them thought that was dope to tell me about Santa Claus. I I felt like I ain't gonna tell my kids that shit because I, I spent you. I, I spent I never, money. I, I never had the chance to believe in Santa, man. I never had that chance. I just never did. My dad, a matter of fact, we didn't even celebrate Christmas, and we was we was Christians. I missed out. I missed yeah, out. My kids never got the Santa Claus shit. No, they never got that. I know in Jamaica it was, it was good, but hey, bro, thanks for the call, man. We gonna get it in. Hey, hey, bro, but but listen, but I'm not. But I'm saying, I'm, um, you know, I'm African American, bro. Shut down like that. I'm gonna send you a supporting fact of what I was saying about the community and Yoruba. And I'm gonna send supporting facts via email. And you, you can knock it down after the after the uh, the information has been, you know, I put it out there. So you're saying you're correct, and we're wrong, right? Hey, I, like I said, I can't have 
you know, totally. That's crazy. But now that we went that we went that route, now that we went that route, I'm gonna put forth that information. All right, let me ask you a question though. Now, what type of what type of genetic proof do you have? None. Not a damn. None yet. What what type of genetic evidence you have that the people went there? Hold on, hold on. That the people from Canaan brought that stuff over there. Ah shit. No, I asked a question. No deflecting, beloved. Come on, beloved. You better than that. You know you better than that. I asked, what genetic evidence do you have that Canaanites went into West Africa? None. Do I have genetic evidence? Evidence, yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Hey, you know what? You see, you see, you got to get your DNA game up. You got to get your DNA game up. Because you know what? You know why we could all say that? Americans weren't here. Um, African, um, the Olmecs weren't Africans. You know why? Because there's no genetic evidence of African in America before Columbus, as far as genetic evidence. None exists. There's no residue. There's nothing. Now, let me say this. What about linguistics? Do we have a linguistic evidence of them transferring information from the Canaanites to the Yoruba culture? They made that shit up. Go ahead, man. That's 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 that that's that. I'm gonna I'm tell you what the guy's name is right now. Who theory that you're using? Derek Lang. Derek Lang. Yeah, Derek Lang. That's Derek Lang. Who's been murdered already? But we are gonna deal with that. We are gonna deal with. Ah, <laughs> deal with Derek Lang. We are gonna deal with Derek Lang. We are gonna deal with Derek Lang. Go yeah, what what independent research did you do? Yeah, what you do? We don't know. I'm asking. You say you did your independent oh, research. Man. Did you go out in the field? Did you interview? You see, you see, everybody who loves the Dogon story. Too, by the way, did you go to the Dogons and do interviews? You see, people don't have the videos. I I got videos of white people having other white people live in the caves with Dogon people. And then they come out and tell us what they are saying. This is what this is this, all this information about the Dogon. Come on, how many Dogons have you interviewed? Have you lived with them for 10 years? Have you done the anthropo anthropological research? Have you done the actual research within the people and interviewed them? Well, there's people that have done it. Let's go. Listen to what I'm saying, though, bro. What's up, pops? Okay, but listen, listen to me, family. We gonna have this conversation one day. I gotta, I gotta get my doggone files out. As a matter of fact, I got my doggone files on my computer right now, man. We gonna, man, we gonna rip them files out. Hey, Garfield, can I ask you a question? Garfield. Yeah, go ahead, bro. So, hey. Hey, Carla, why you got to head of uh, the hotter ship, yo? It's a question. Say again? I said, why do you have the hider ship? You're hiding information. Hider. We call it hider ship. You're hiding it. You're hiding. What the hell is the shit you using? You're hider ship, man. <laughs> 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 I got it, but I can't tell you why, yo. Why would that be, yo? What's the purpose of that? I have nothing to hide from you, brother. I'm trying to learn. I want to learn. 
So I'm not gonna hide my sources from you. Why are you hiding your sources? What's the joke in it? I got a question for God yeah. You're not going to answer the question, yo? You're going to talk over the question? That's how you're going to do it? You're going to talk over the go question? Ahead, answer the question? Go ahead, go ahead, I, said, I said, why you always take a, you take a position against Dogon before you even did the, the, the information for it? Like, yeah, you know? two, three years ago. Yeah, two, three years ago. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did some research on it, but I actually did that after. It, I did, I, my methodology was off. It was wrong. So I started check me on that. Which is fine. I don't. I don't mind being corrected, but the point of the matter is, I still came with the same conclusion. <laughs> 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 hey, why are you hiding your sources, bro? Why are you hiding your sources, man? Hey, Tell us about. You put you pulling a you pulling a doctor y'all you pulling a doctor you you pulling a doctor y'all can us man. Come on, man. Don't pull no Dr. York. Don't pull no Dr. York, brother. It's not a good look, man. Not Come a good on, look. Come on, man. Don't make him answer my question, man. I ain't going to let you get off that like that, bro. Why are you hiding your sources with the hidership, bro? Why are you hiding sources with the hidership? It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not. I'm not I'm not hoarding information. What I'm doing is pretty much getting my ducks in a row because once I make an argument, I want it to stick. You know what I mean? No, it can't stick if your sources don't stick. What's the sources? Nobody's hating on you. Man, what we try to do is, any anytime man. we put information out, we got to make sure we could back it up with sources, and that includes right. me, um, includes everybody. All I'm saying to you, beloved, whatever sources you're using, we would like to go and research the sources and try to get to the root of why you came up with this conclusion. Right. So you that basically saying that this dude is correct, that the Canaanites went to that region. And they gave the Africans these gods. That's basically what you're saying, though. That's not, my, that's not my theory. That's not my theory. So what is your theory? My theory is that the Canaanites were already, uh, uh, what do you call it, sub, phenotypically sub-Saharan Africans. And they, in waves of migration, they amalgamated with uh, the tribes that were already there. That's my theory. Okay. All right, man. Let me, let me take these other callers, man. Thanks for the call, brother. Appreciate you, man. Right. Anytime, bro. You got my you got my email, right? Dagger Squad One at gmail.com. Yeah, and I'll also want this too. Uh oh. You coming for Unk? All right. At your own risk. Yeah. All right. What? Hey. What's that? All right. Hey, I said hey. I said at your own risk. <laughs> he ain't coming to me because he won't show his damn sources. That's that's the beginning of a pseudo. They hide their sources. So I'm already feeling like you pseudo because you hiding your damn sources. Y'all ain't never heard me hide a source from nobody at no time over the last 15 to 20 years. I give you my damn sources. Shit. The hell am I hide that for? That shit crazy. Y'all don't want to hear I'm hiding my source because the people in the, in, the, in the chat room. No, you hide your source because you know it's some bullshit. That's I ain't why. Lie too. You could call in now. Call in, man. I'm taking calls. I'm listening. I'm listening the whole time. Come on in, man. Hey, don't yeah, don't come in and put, you know how the sister say, how, how she says, she say, uh, uh, <laughs> show your sources, shut up. Mm -mm -mm -mm. My oh my. Oh man, we gotta do <laughs> that. My oh my. <laughs> my oh my, boy. 
My oh my, boy. Ain't nobody wants to provide a source. My oh my. Mm-mm-mm-mm. My oh my. Then we're going to take oral tradition over DNA. My oh my. No, I ain't doing that shit. I don't care nobody. I ain't even listening to nobody. People don't even read enough to know why you wouldn't do that. Damn, they did. Hey, man, Don, they Law, you sound, the world Don Law, you sound kind. You you sound like a female in the chat, man. Who cares about your source obsession? You're lazy. Take the truth and test it out. Why all? See, how are we gonna take the truth and test it out if we don't know your source? He said, "What? What did he say, Garfield?" Who cares about your source obsession? You're lazy. Take the truth and Wait test it minute. out. Wait a Why minute. Wait a minute. Sources. You can research that yourself, lazy. Oh, man. Call in, bro. Call nah, in. Call, nah, he in the peanut gallery, yo. So, so oh, our, our source obsession, he said we oh. have a... Any, hey, first of all, none of them black people was there, so they would have to read it from a damn source. The hell well, wrong I mean, with that guy? Put the source in the chat, man. Whoever want to come on, anybody could come on. Let's put the source in the chat, right? Yeah, because anybody can get it. Africans can't get it. Mexicans can't get it. The peanut gallery certainly can't get it. You can get it. We got, he, so he said we got source obsessions. <laughs> oh, man. I'd rather have a source obsession than a faith obsession. <laughs> no, I got an obsession with, with the bullshit. Like I'm tired of I'm tired of the bullshit where you see see we clean that division up. See, you're no longer allowed to just speak and talk rhetoric and spew the rhetoric without a source, right? Exactly. That's what we do around here. You cannot get on there like Bobby Hemming and the boys, just start talking like Malachi York and the boys, wrote whole books, whole books. Without my goddamn sources. <laughs> no, we don't do that no more. Hey, Them days is finished. Rio Rasmus say, Anki's like Malachi Z. York, straight weirdo. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Yo, the peanut gallery is going in today, man. They crazy today. I'm not even paying them no mind today, man. I'm not paying them no mind today. I'm good. What's up? What's up, Danny? Hello. You mentioned the peanut gallery, the peanut gallery president of comments from the peanut gallery is in the building. Good day. Good What's day. up, Pop? What's going on with you? Ain't nothing. What's going on, Garfield? What's up, yeah. copycat? What's up? So, yo, first of all, um, I had that book already, so don't try to act like I didn't have it. That's and you owe me my services, so I'm saying live on air that Dagger Squad Incorporated oh, yeah, yeah, services. Yeah, yeah, what you say, bro? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's first. And here's here's the other thing, though, um. I don't think we should totally discount oral tradition. Like I don't think so neither. I okay. think it needs to be collaborated. That's my point. Boom. All right. Yeah, all Say no more. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Because the only reason, I, only reason I'm saying that is, like I told you, I've been reading his general histories again, and they're sourcing a lot of, like, some of their methodologies was indeed they did um, heavily take into account a lot of those oral traditions, but like you say, they were backed up with other fields to try to prove or disprove it. So you're right. Yep, I'm with you. You know I'm with you, Danny. And I, know I know you. you are. I know you are. What is a good source for oral tradition? Let's say 
the Yoruba people. Let's use it. Let's say the Yoruba people. What would be a, a, a tradition that you read that you would wholeheartedly agree with to the best of your ability? What's the closest you think out there is the truth about the Yoruba tradition? I don't understand the question, Godfrey. What do you mean? The Yoruba all the documentation they have from every source, which source you think has the best source somebody wants to study the Yoruba, which source would give them the best information on the Yoruba's oral tradition? They're going to have to go to a Yoruba uh, facility, not facility, but you know what I'm saying, like uh, somebody that practices the traditions to go and start there, right? Right. Because because the thing is with that, it's tricky. I mean, it's tricky, but it's good at the same time because if we notice, those people who get into it start to get into the culture, right? So if you have a Black American that starts to embrace Yoruba, Ifa, or whatever it is, they tend to start to what? To learn more about those people. Because it's hard for you to understand how the gods and how the traditions relate unless you start to understand the people. You understand what I'm saying? So I would suggest like them going to these places, these Yoruba practitioners and just talking. That's the first step. Before you get into the oral tradition, because you're not going to be able to validate from the beginning the oral tradition unless you understand about the culture, right? How can you begin to validate it when you don't understand the significance to um to the culture, to the create to the creation story, right? Do, to where um Olu Damari actually fits in that whole thing. Hello. Let no? me say, let me say this, Danny. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I ask that question is because a lot of people pick up books. They won't necessarily go to like a Yoruba griot or they won't go to somebody who is following the system of whatever culture around them. Or some states, somebody might live in Oregon. You might right. can't find a Yoruba. I'm saying what book, right. like a literally a book that they could pick up. And I'm feeling that most of us are getting into books now. Because people are really into books okay. like how they are. I, in my okay. opinion, I can't be wrong. But what particularly book can they pick up about the Yoruba culture? Oh man, let me check. Uh, you want a specific book? I mean, if you want a general overview, you know I recommend that that Asante book on uh, mm -hmm. on African religions, just to get a general overview and understanding of the traditions. And then a more specific book is I got to think about that one. Talk of Yoruba specifically. Yeah, Yoruba, right? I mean, the first book I would recommend would be African religions. That's the first book. That's the baby step. Right. But as far as the book to go in depth, if you want to know about Yoruba and what they practice in the, in the culture, of course, Yoruba and the diaspora. But as far as as far as back home, would who 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 should we contact? Who I mean, as far as here, which particular book is there a book? Okay, so there's a few. Let me, you could, you let me say what I say: African religion and the Yoruba in the in the diaspora. I would say those two first. But All as far right. as in depth with the oral traditions. I don't know. I'm can, I, can I show my screen? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do it on your own. Oh, share screen. All right, so. Oh, shit gonna fall apart when you share your screen. <laughs> oh, I don't say that, man. Can you see right. my screen? It's on the screen right now. Go ahead. You All right. So, so <laughs> here you go. Here is one, right? 
So this is from, if you want to get into the art, right? And the art is a part of it where I'm talking about, can you see my screen, right? Yeah. All right. So this is embodying the sacred in a uh, Yoruba art. And this is going to get you into the culture once again, Garfield. So this is the beginning, right? And so we start by going to our museums and we start by, like we're saying, we're trying to reach out, right? Find out about those traditions. So we go there. And then, like you said, here's the book to find it in in the Americas, Garfield. What I was talking about, right? It's called The Yoruba Diaspora in the Atlantic World, right? And this book is going to deal with um, those, those gods, those oral traditions. So even if we go just type oral, right here it might not come up because the whole page ain't processing yet but here we go so we got 55 things and it tell you it says derived from both african oral traditions right so to tell you how those oral traditions are making a way from uh all these places to the americas and how we brought those gods uh with us right so that's how it's getting here right it says uh, right here specifically I'll make it a little bigger. It says, while Igbo's survivals in the Chesapeake, that's Virginia, have recently received much attention, comparisons with the Yoruba and the broad Americas point instead to the relative weakness of Igbo oral traditions, especially as represented in songs, religious, ritual stories, blah, blah, blah. In Cuba, in any given year in the 19th century, the Yoruba had no choice and blah, 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 blah. So we begin to understand that, right? So that's going to lead us to understand that a, a good stronghold is in the Caribbean. So this book, here's another one, it's called Development of Yoruba Kendombe, deals with just that. Because Kendombe is the practices that make it to the new world, but it's still Yoruba tradition. And then you will say, you see what I'm saying, Garfield? Then you find out what are the Kendombe traditions, which will get you closer to understanding the Yoruba oral traditions. Right, so we're working our way backwards. So that's the other book, and then uh, this one was a good one, right? Uh, oh, here's it. Oh, actually, this is where you want to learn Yoruba. Let me ask uh, you, did you ever do a show? Why are you doing that? Did you ever do a show on um, different cultures in the Caribbean and in America? Um, how they carried the, the cultures within those countries, like. You know, the Gullah Geechee, 60% of the slaves that came to South Carolina, came to America, came to South Carolina. What culture, what type of identity did they carry with them in America? What identity did they carry with them in Haiti? What identity did they carry so, with them? What yeah, so this is, yeah, I have it on specifically. You want to talk about the Gullah? Then here is the book called, you want to get this, you want to get the Gullah culture in America. And this is going to show you how we brought that culture from that region, those regions in West Africa here. If you want to find out about the Akan, what you want to do is people want to get, uh, where is it? This book right here, Garfield, is called The Akan Diaspora in the Americas. And it will tell you and show you all the places where the Akan culture, traditions, gods, and how we bring them to um the americas and then you asked me about what was the other one so we did a con we did gala the there you go here you go here's one for another one with just the gold coast africans don't just want to steal his computer right now family don't y'all just want to steal his damn computer shoot 
So this is the other one we talking about that Gold Coast diaspora in in the Americas, and you said who Yoruba or Igbo? Igbo was yeah. This is an Igbo. Where's the Igbo book? Uh oh, no Akan came to America. They were British property. Ah oh, man. Okay, so then what we do is you go here. Wait, hold on, hold on. See what we do is let's play this game. And since we go, yeah, you keep talking Garfield. That's how we. I'm reading. I'm reading from the peanut gallery. No, no, no. You keep talking because what we do is we get specific, right? I hope we don't have a con, but we got what we got a Shanti in there somewhere, right? Yeah. Hey, um, hold on, Unc, you're still there, right? Yeah. Yeah, where Unc at, man? He always falling asleep when I come in. Work your old ass, on. Don't take it personal, bro. Not you. Man. <laughs> man, I'm sitting back. Come on, true story. When you come on, I sit back. I get my notepad out. Yeah, I'm always fall to sleep on me, man. Damn. I'm not. feel that. We are, we are the snores. Stop it, man. Stop that, man. Stop that. Too. Yeah, I'm not falling asleep, bro. Hey, you know what I don't like, though? Let me tell you what I don't like, true story. Like, what somebody might have listened to something I said three, four fucking years ago, right? You know what I mean? About West Africa or Egypt, whatever. And then yeah. today I have a different viewpoint on it. That's because I'm sitting back learning from Garfield. I'm learning from you. I'm learning shit. And when you learn something and you can't substantiate what you said, you got to change that shit. Yeah. And ain't nothing wrong with that. So I we say... We learn from around this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So I say, this is my saying and I made up. Once people understand this, I think it will be better that consciousness is a journey and not a destination, which yeah. means that this consciousness will always be a journey and evolution of how you see things and progression, right? There'll be no point where you say, I know it all. And we have primary evidence that Dr. Clark had 22,000 books, 22,000, and was still having people read to him when he was blind. So if he had 22,000 and we ain't nowhere near close and he didn't know it all, we'll never get to, and, and which means that his thoughts and his ideas evolved that whole time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we're entitled to that. That's called growth. That's all I'm saying. Growth. And that don't mean that you're out your mind, neither. Oh. It change. People think shit got to be the same way. I agree. That's I don't think this, I don't this 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 things and worldviews how I had uh, five years ago that I don't have right now that I see things different because I got more information. That's what we do, right? Yeah. So. That's what real people do to really study. The pseudo keeps that shit the same no matter what. Right. So we become dogmatic then, right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I have found so we do it. So we hit here's the kids of trouble with us though. We do it like this. We come out of the church, right? And then uh -huh. we say, okay, we reject Jesus, and that whole thing is gone. And then this shiny new thing comes, and they initially tell me, no, that's not you. This is who you really are, right? Uh -huh. And then they ride you and tell you how you God and you the greatest thing since sliced bread, and this is who you really are, and then they hide it from you. Right. And so then we get sucked. I mean, not sucked. We get sucked into those things and say what? OK, now I got the ultimate truth. Right. 
Yeah. When we left the church, we either went to the, the NOI or to the Israelites or to the Moors or to whatever. And then we said, okay, now I got the ultimate truth. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. you've seen all your homies get dogmatic and start cutting their hair like Farrakhan and wearing the suits all the time and the whole <laughs> bit. Yada, yada. Am I lying? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then what happened? And then what happened? Something happened, and then they bumped into a Sunni Muslim when they was on a NOI kick, and the Sunni dude started speaking better Arabic to them in downtown Baltimore or whatever with the henna beard. And so the NOI dude who just came from the Christian church then does what? Drops the NOI and says, now I'm going to be a Sunni. Doesn't he? And now I got the ultimate truth because this is the ultimate Islam. So we now had three iterations. And each time you saying to yourself, you got the ultimate truth. See how that happens? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that same nigga named Leroy was just Leroy X. And now he is Salif El Shamin. Right? No, he he no, he he risen Islam. Risen. <laughs> now why y'all gotta bring up the NOI, man? This is the NOI free zone. Come on, man. Stop that. Garfield, half those niggas ran and became Sunni Muslims, and then half of the Sunni Muslims laughed when Dr. York started having to wear dresses and became Ansars. I was, yeah. I was this close, man. Garfield 5X. All right. Garfield 5X. <laughs> There wasn't enough money for him. Garfield ain't like giving away his money. Garfield ain't like standing in the middle of the highway selling newspapers and bean pies. That's what it was. Dude, dude had security. I was bodyguarding, um, what's his name, in Marcy Projects when he was filming Clockers. Was it Marcy Projects? One of them projects in Brooklyn. I was like, damn. They're like, yo, you got to walk with Spike, man. You gotta, you know nah, I think Clockers was in Red Hook. Red Hook? Yeah, I was like, damn, man. I got a bodyguard Spike. Yo, if they come and attack him, man, you got to hold it down. I'm like, what? Yeah, you better jump in front of that bullet if Farrakhan say so. Oh, yeah, by the way, that Garvey, um, talk about jumping in front of the bullet, it was wrong. It wasn't the um the wife. It was actually a lady named Mary Clark. Remember the other day I had the um the five questions about the um Garvey and the Amy Jakes jumped in front of a bullet? It wasn't Amy Jakes, actually. It was actually somebody named Mary Clark. Right. He gave the wife the credit. I think the, the first wife the credit. Or the second wife, because they both had the same name, right? I think they both had the same oh. name, Amy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had two Amy's, yeah. That nigga crazy. <laughs> no, no, you, you better stop with that Garvey talk before you get in trouble on here. Uh, I could. Oh, man. I could talk shit. I'm Jamaican. <laughs> so tell us now, it is Jamaican week in Brooklyn. Tell us the contributions of the Yardies to the movement, because this is just as important as the discussion we had yesterday with the brother and not seeing the African presence. You, can we get some information on the Caribbean contribution to this thing? Oh, them niggas was, you, I think you brought it out, man. They they was like leading the fucking way with the information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They kind of lead the way with the information. I know in the atheism they did, yo, with my man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You been heard. And then you got my man that wrote, um, what's the joint, yo? He was actually on the scientific conference for UNESCO. Uh, what's his name, man? Come on, yo. He wrote the book, How uh, Walter Rodney. Walter Rodney, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was on He was on the actual, you know he was on the conference, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in UNESCO. Yeah, so look at Caribbean. So they led the way, yo. Right. Yep, you got to give it to the Caribbean. So don't talk too much shit about the Caribbean. They kind of led the way. 
But Garfield, yeah. can, can you explain that? How like how you felt when you first got off the banana boat and you went to um, the Caribbean festival? Like how did like what is what is the thing? How do Caribbeans feel? Are they taking pride in their Caribbeanness and their Americanness? Like how are they viewing this? <laughs> Yo, give me a second. Give me a second. The coconut run when the coconut's under the microscope. You see that? You see? Oh, the coconut didn't run. So, so anyway, ah! like Brother Ong has stated, since the Jamaican don't want to do it, the, the Caribbean contribution to this thing that we call even black consciousness is significant and it goes way beyond Marcus Garvey. And since this is Coconut Week and Garfield doesn't want to step up, I'm going to suggest that people look up names like Cyril Briggs, who, who was one, and he was from Nevis, I believe. And then you're going to look up a man named Arturo Schomburg, and he is an Afro-Puerto Rican. And then you're going to look up a man named Carlos Cooks, who does starts your buy black and starts really promoting your red, black, and green and speaking on corners. He is Afro-Dominican. And then you're going to look up a man named Hubert Harrison, and I believe he was Jamaican. Believe. Yeah, that's my favorite. And then you're going to look up. There was there were Caribbean women in there as well. But for all of my Negro Jews, you might want to look up a man named Rabbi Wentworth because he yeah. was Caribbean. Um, and so those are just some of the names of the people. Some, not even tip of the iceberg of the Caribbean contribution to this thing. Outside of us mentioning that the only major victory that we got during our uh, enslavement experience was Haiti. Oh, no, that's dumb. That's Haiti. Yeah, that's dumb. So, only uh-huh, go ahead, brother. Huh? No, what, you, what you're saying? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was saying that's dumb to think that. Right. That's just dumb. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm just talking about this, this contribution that that this is important now that we have you know uh yardy caribbean week up here leading into you know back to school that we get into this mentality and understand that you know our contribution um to to this diaspora all of us africans uh cotton pickers coconuts all of us <laughs> made this community what it was you know and, it, and it's I'm back. I'm back you can stop all right go ahead what was the question? Now you were talking about the the, um, the Caribbean um, contribution to everything. Um, as far as the Caribbean Day Parade, the one that I went to, I was dealing with this Jamaican artist's sister, so that's why I ended up going because I really wasn't a fan of the Jamaican or Caribbean Day Parade, which really was like the Jamaican Day Parade because really most Jamaicans were there because Brooklyn has the most Jamaicans in all of America. So right. through Brooklyn, you're gonna have coconut shops everywhere and Haitians. Yeah, Haitians, all Sapa say to my brother in, in Florida, by the way, who's watching right now and listening. Um, so really, as far as Jamaican culture, when you look at the Trinidadians, Trinidadians have a very big influence in the culture of um, the Caribbean because of, of course, the Calypso music and their whining and all that stuff. And the women are so fine. The women so are fine as hell. Naughty as hell, but fine. Fine as hell. So we see that culture, when you see the drums and all that stuff, not necessarily the drums, but the sounds that they make with the um. What, what you say? You said it in the chat yesterday. He was joking about it. You have all these um garbage. Steel pan. 
steel fans, right? So, so look, 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 wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, that's his, that's a history point. I'll let you go. Remember exactly where you were. The reason that they had that is because they banned the drumming because they found out we was communicating with the drums. So to get around that, and Trini and I think Barbados or whatever, they started with the steel pan. That's why we started using that. But go ahead. All right. So what we find is that a lot of the, the steel pan stuff, you see Jamaicans are replicating in Jamaica. Now we have carnival for the, for probably the last 20 years. We never used to have carnival in Jamaica like that. So what we did was we basically took that part of the African culture, which the Trinidadians carried on. We now transform it to Jamaica. So we have those. Carnivals, carnival in Trinidad is one of the biggest things. You have people fly from all over the world to go to carnival in Trinidad. Now they have a carnival in Jamaica. I don't know if the last five years what they've done, but I know they have the um the carnival in Jamaica. So we see that part of the culture being transferred within the Caribbean islands. And we never say, oh, the Trinidadians, we steal it. No, it's African culture that's been carried on and remixed a little bit, the Puff Daddy remix on it. And then you have that type of culture. So you see that on the, on the parkway this Monday. Then you see, the, of course, you're going to see the flow to the Jamaicans. You're going to see the flow to the different parts. You're going to see African culture on display in different mm. uh, so different people that dropped off the boat, different banana boat stops, you're going to see it on display. That's all you're going to see, different colors. You have the little different flag because of colonialism. But at the end of the day, you're going to see the red. You're going to see the black. You're going to see the green. You're going to see the gold. You're going to see the red. You're going to see all of that all over in different flags, blue, red, yellow. You're going to see all these different colors, green. I've never seen a Guadalupe, Martin, Martin, and Guadalupe Martinique float, or you might see one this year because everybody's as as far, as far as what my city councilman said, everybody's going to be represented this year in way more than we've ever seen before. They say that every year, anyway. Yeah, even Dominica, Dominica oh, don't get no respect, y'all. Only we're not talking about Dominica Republic family. We talking no, about, no Dominica. We talking about Dominica, which is considered the poorest country in the world, not Haiti. Dominica is considered the poorest country in the world. So we're going to see um, the best of the best there. And, and I, hopefully I will be there. I'm going to see my Jamaican family there. And we're going to have some fun. Now, as far as Jamaicans on a whole, our Caribbean people on a whole, you talked about Walter Rodney. Walter Rodney was, the, was like a loud mouthpiece that was moving in silence, man, in the background. You might not see his face, but Walter Rodney is one of the most respected guys by Diop and Benga and even um, Dr. Ben, even... No, a lot of them respected Walter Rodney. And um, I don't know, was he assassinated or something? In Guyana? I, I don't know what happened with Walter Rodney. Somebody can correct me about it, but I think they said he was... I think he was, got killed or something. He got killed or something, right? I think, I think so. I'm not 100% sure. But, um, hey, Garfield. I, hey, Garfield, yeah. you know he was on a, um, he was on a scientific board. Oh, you know yeah, I know. Don't nobody talk about that, though. They don't. Yeah, yeah, I like it. That's bullshit, yo. Yeah, he got assassinated in 1980. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. What, though? Oh, because he wrote that financial shit. Mm -mm -mm. All Is right. that why he got assassinated? I don't oh, know. Man. He, was, he was a rebel without a, without a pause. <laughs> He got, he got his car bombed. His Get into um the Caribbean though, because a lot of folks, I I, I see what's um um that we have the anti common sense point of view from somebody like Alquan in the chat. Well, he's not in the chat today, but um who would say that the Caribbean people always want to come with their ideas and force their ideas? And I, and I, and I've said to him, anybody who's listening 
the reason why I'm playing these videos in the morning, I'm changing the mood of the morning show because we are African and we cannot, whether we want to argue about the name, me and True Story can tell y'all 20 different stories each of where Africa, the name comes from. I guarantee you right now, we'll tell you 20 different stories of where the word Africa come from. Right now, if you ask all three of us right now, you're going to get 20 stories between us or 20 stories each. The issue is not the name. It's a geopolitical name that is given to that region that's called Africa today. It's the world that we live in. Get over it. We all come from Africa technically. Technically, we all come from Africa. But as far as DNA genetics, anybody that came outside of Africa and mutated, their, their DNA mutated, they are no longer considered African. So the people in the Sentinel, you know, they say that the, um, the Hebrews going to be scattered throughout all the four corners of the earth. The, the, the people in the Sentinel region, they don't know what a Hebrew is. They don't know what a Jesus is. This is why when the white men went there, they had arrows. So the people who videotaped it, they had to stay back because what they want to do is bring Jesus to the people. That's all the bottom line is to those sentences. They want to give them, yeah, man, let me give this religion because it got to be pre-shot the whole earth. No, it's not It's not going there. They, they're going to make sure with them bow and arrows, it's not going there. So at the end of the day, family, we are Africans and Wentworth, um, Cherry, Crowder, no matter if I disagree with them philosophically, they always push Africa. They never left Africa out. And that's the bottom line. J.A. Rogers, always trying to point us to the motherland. He ain't saying because I'm some light-skinned Jamaican that got away with a lot because I'm a light-skinned, I'm going to push y'all to be European or whatever, or be something else. He always pushed Africa. Walter Rodney, Africa. Diop, Africa. Obenga, Africa. All the greats that we have. Sylvester Williams, Africa. Um, Blyden, Africa. All of them are talking about Africa. The reason what stopped the Pan-African movement from even going to a whole other level because everybody now wanted to be something else. We wanted to be what's called the Asia. What's, what's it called? The Asiatic wave. So we no longer want to be African. We now want it to be Asiatic. And that became the downfall of us. It's the downfall. I don't care how many people in jail got uplifted because of 5% or Nation of Islam or Hebrew Israelite teachings or Muslims or Moorish teachings. It's They are the minority in this country. There are less than 1 million, 1 million believers in the Nation of Islam teaching, Muslims, Moors, um, what do you call it? Hebrew Israelites, Asiatics, there are less than a million of them that believe that stuff in America. Hey, Garfield. The majority, of us, the majority of us, I got you. I'm going to put it up right now. The majority of us are going to, and look at what True Story is showing while I'm talking. The majority of us are under the Christian banner. And that's just it, point blank. Point blank. Some of us are moving towards African systems to try to get back to our roots. I congratulate you on, on that move. And, and trying to get back to some sort of your roots, that's fine and dandy. But we gotta let we gotta let go. The Asiatic wave is still in effect. It's still in effect, family, and that's the wave that we're holding on to. We, once we had the African wave, the Asiatic wave came in and took over, and that's the problem. But go ahead, brother. Speak your mind. So I was shown. This is from 1955. Can you see that? Can you see my screen? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Rabbi so, Wentworth in charge services. Friday, oh, wait, wait, wait. You're going too fast, though. It says below the commandment keepers. What does it have in the parentheses? 
Ethiopian Hebrews, right? And you see they offer Hebrew. So now below that, what I want to show you is they got other ones. That's not the only one. Look at this. Temple Society of what? Ethiopian Hebrews. Hold on, hold on. Bring it up. Let me see who the chief rabbi is. Chief rabbi and which one? The Craig, Craig Jr. Okay. Craig, CM Craig, right? But where does it say? Falasha Juries. Oh, so now, now we got the Falashas already here with this. And these two things start to get all mixed and matched up. So now you get validated because you actually have actual Ethiopian Jews. So when he's talking about we come from Ethiopia, he gets validated by the Ethiopians. You see that? Look, this is in the Black Moon's paper, mind you, that they got the section to tell you where all the church services are. And right there is Hebrew. You see? AME churches over here. <laughs> so to your point, they're calling themselves what? Ethiopian Hebrews. It's 1955. So now we got to ask ourselves, when did it change and why? The Asiatic wave. But this is 55. Uh, the NOR is already there. They already waved in. I know. The Asiatic wave. Some of us some of us still fall through because you still have the Garvey movement. You still had all these pro-black movements. But that don't mean that the Asiatic wave wasn't working their way in. And they worked their way in. When Abba Bivens broke away, he decided to leave that commandment keepers and do the one West Camp stuff. Why? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they had a disagreement. <laughs> well, actually, that was more of like a New Testament Jesus disagreement. But he felt like the white the guy having white folks around, he didn't like that. He liked Cherry's talk because he was a part of Cherry's or Crowder's movement originally. Um, he was a part of the commandment keepers, wasn't he? Yeah, but he was a part of Cherry's movement or Crowder's movement. One of them, I don't remember right now off the top of my head. He was a part of that first, and then he went to commandment keepers. Right. So this is the point when Wentworth is trying to get validation for black folks to get into rabbinical school. And uh, I think some of the people had a problem that they was trying to get this validation to actually be accepted uh, by the white Jews and get into that rabbinical school. And Wentworth was going in that direction. And he had them start reading all Hebrew. And that's when he started the, the Hebrew schools and all that. I think that was the division, right? But then didn't they didn't they get rid of believing in Jesus? Yeah, remember, remember. Yeah, all right, hold on a second. Remember, you gave me this thing. Hold on a second. I'm gonna share my screen. Keep talking. Yeah, so they have Kojic, right? And Kojic, like I was telling you, is that Church of God in Christ you could show the people. And that's where Wentworth and all of them had coming out of that holiness movement. That's why all these Hebrew organizations have that in Christ part of their names because they come out of that Kojic church. But at some point, I think Wentworth get rid of the New Testament and stop believing in Jesus in order to get validation from the white um, Jews so they could get into the rabbinical schools. You see what I'm saying? But prior to that, they was all this in Christ thing. Right. What is it? Israel United in Christ and this is in Christ and all that stuff, because they come out of the church of God in Christ. Bueller, you sound like a pastor right there, bro. 
Look it up. Show the people if I'm lying. She go to go look up Church of God in Christ. I look like a real pastor thing you're there putting up. <laughs> go <laughs> pastor thing you're there putting up. Yeah. Go look up. Show the people Church of God in Christ. Then show them coming out of the church. I ain't gonna go there with that. But watch this. Watch this, family. <laughs> I ain't gonna go there with Pastor Reverend Pastor Danny today. But check this out, family. Remember, we got the great Rabbi Wentworth. What happened with Wentworth though? Because Wentworth made a connection. You still ain't telling me who this white woman is. Um, uh, <laughs> I got more pictures than that, bro. <laughs> Danny. Danny don't want to tell me who this white woman is, fam. You don't want to stop showing the picture. Who's this white woman, Danny? Leave it out of this, man. That's, who's the black man? That's all you need to know. Who's the black man? Who is this white woman? The black man is Rabbi Wentworth. That's all you need all to right. know. <laughs> Wait, this is what happened now with Wentworth, right? Wentworth used to believe in the New Testament. He started embracing the Hebrew faith, but then he went to what? He went to Jacob Faitlovich of Union Hebrew College, was making an exploratory trip to Ethiopia, studying the various races and their ethical backgrounds. Came back in 1929 and reported that the Palashas of Ethiopia originated from the stock of Israel and were Ethiopian Hebrews. That was enough for the then, this is what caused so much controversy in this presentation. Enough for the then Reverend Matthew, he embraced the Hebrew faith and in 1930 received his rabbinate and became a Rabbi Matthew. He changed the name of the church to the Ethiopian Hebrew Congregation of the Living God. What was the name before Danny? What was he calling his church? It was um, it was the Ethiopian right. Hebrews. No, I'm talking about his church though. He oh, had a the church is a church. There it is. That's, that's the other one. It's Kojic, the Church of God in Christ, and mm -hmm. also what they just said, the Church of the Living God. So you're going to see those two names vary with all these early Hebrew organizations. Those are the two ones, Kojic and the Church of Living God. You can Google both of those. Yeah, so this is Faith, this is Faith Lovett family. He was funded by the Rothschilds to find, literally find, Africans to validate Zionist false killings of actual history. It's actually true. See, if you go to Google and go to Wiki, you see Faith Lovett, he was from, he was um, fluent in the language. So Menelik II was cool with him. Because he knew the language. He told him that the Ethiopian Jewish tribes were connected to white Jews elsewhere in the world. This, I, I don't know if you noticed, Danny, but this is what assisted them in actually making a claim for everywhere for them to be Israel. Because they wanted to say that, yeah, you are Ethiopian Jew, but we are connected. We are related. Wait, hold on, hold on. Because Ankni, this is Ankh part of this, because this is what he tying. When you talk about the resources, you got to remember, this is at the time when they splitting up Africa and the Jews want their hand in every single place that they splitting it up. Mm -hmm. So they identifying them here and there and there so they can have an influence to what? Because this is the extraction of the resources from Africa that's going on. And since the beginning of the time that we know who has been the tradesmen and the extractor of those resources, it has been the Jews, right? Yeah. No different than right there was going on. That's why they saying, okay, you a Jew, you a Jew, you a Jew over here. So they get influenced and take resources. Mordecai, no. Hey, you, you, uh, Unc, we can't hear you, bro. Yeah, you got to go back to that phone shit. Yeah, you got to go back to that. So you got to come back in. You got to go back. Oh, yeah. All right, let me take it. All right, let me. Okay, I got you. So I'm going to remove you from this and then bring in the other one. Trial. Okay. All right. Cool. Trial. Nope. 
it's charging. Phone is charging. That's charging too. Both are charging. Trial. All right, family. So what we're gonna do is yes. What's ring? Trial. 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 You hear me now, yeah? yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that that was a powerful piece you put there, yo, the resources. Well, I don't know why they don't just be like trial start resources. <laughs> right, right. Why they ain't over there extracting resources? Bro. <laughs> But I'm saying, why we always gotta be the poor ones out the bunch? Whether we the poor, you know, we the these people to that people, we the poor ones. Because mm -hmm. I think it follows. Yeah. I said it, it kind of follows suit with poor righteous teachers, and they think, and, and I really, we really have a disdain for money. You know what I'm saying? And you know, like the money is the root of all evil. You know, I say that being broke is the root of all evil. You know what I'm saying? That's when you get even when you ain't got no damn money. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, it, it, I think that's an excuse. You know, it's like, uh, like who's the one that likes to be in a relationship and likes to get beat and 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 you know degraded and all that? They find comfort in that. It's the people who seem to find comfort and misery. I think that they deserve their lowly position. Oh, I must have done something wrong. You know, it's like born in original sin, almost. I must have done something wrong, and this is why I live in the projects, or my condition is like this. I had to have done something wrong. You're right. It's biblical, yo. And since we've been religious, and sometimes we don't understand the, the real power in that statement when they say black people are the most religious people on the planet. They say that, right? But they never tell you what religion we the most religious, but they, but they never tell you this is really Europeanism. We follow European religion. And based off that religion, it clearly tells you that it's better to be broke. We'll misquote the thing, it's better, you, you can get into heaven faster than a, than a camel can get through an eye of the needle and all that, a rich man can get that, like all that shit that make you hate money, right? And based off the way they've always done business, right? They have a way of knowing the money and keeping you low, like like the resources, how they, uh, like I know you, you you read that article called the great, the great uh, the great thievery. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. The great steal, how they stole all the land back from the farmers. I know you know about yes, that. Sir. That's right. That's yes, right. Right, they took it. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So we just think it. We just think God just is really, is really Europeans, right? You know, understand how to work the reach. They put the rules together. And, and that's why I always say, man, we need to at least know the damn rules, yo. You feel me? Like, man, like you can get that land back that they stole from them farmers if you understand the damn laws, man. 
Seriously, it's, it's just crazy. Like right now, we had the best opportunity to stop hating money. And, and, and we're not broke because God wanted to be broke. We broke because we don't understand the game. Yes. And we refuse to understand our history of playing the game and think it's not important. Because we have been playing the game and in many instances have been defeating the game. But we refuse to study the blacks. Like they left a playbook to show you that in the midst of people hanging you from trees and separating your families that you were able to create businesses, universities, towns, schools, institutions, while this was going on, organizations, right? And we can look through the records and we can see 50, 100, 200 names of organizations easily. And we sit in 2019 and we ask ourselves to name organizations and we struggle to name three. Yet we don't see that organization is the reason that we don't have anything because we can't organize to get things done. Right? Whole history, all the national organization for this, organization for cotton pickers, organization for this, organization for that. It's wow. Speaking of which, I mean, what I got here? Y'all said, wait, my thing, am I still on? Hello? Hold on. Can y'all hear me? Oh, because I could keep going. Yo, this is the, um. yo, can I be heard out there? Check one, two. Okay, I can be heard. So this is the true story and takeover. I don't know where Unc went. Hopefully he come back in and go, okay, we don't need nobody else. So you know how we get down when I got these controls right here. So we talk about these organizations, right? So the floor is mine. <clears throat> the problem is, is we can go and look is, let me show my screen so we can do this together because you know how we do in my neck of the woods. We don't talk about it. We be about it. So I think my screen is sharing unless Garfield hate in some capacity. Yeah, I think he hate. So anyway, I can't show my screen. What y'all want to talk about? This is the this is the true story and takeover on the Dagger Squad. So what y'all want to talk about? And, oh, they got my screen showing. There you go. All right, all right. So check this out, y'all. Like I said, organizations. Here goes one right here. Check this out. We even had a cotton pickers league, right? Let's look at some of the organizations that we have. We can go and run through these things and find out. Uh, let's just type business, right? Actually, we're going to do this first, y'all. Watch this magic. Watch this magic. We keep talking about what we need. Trial. And we point to these organizations. Negro Business League is what I want everybody playing at Trial. home to type in their thing. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Everybody who should see the screen has should have already typed it in, type in Negro Business League. We have businesses. Where is our Negro Business League up today? These are the same people we was talking about involved in all this you, other stuff. You can hear me? I have time you can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm sorry, Aunt. Go ahead, bro. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. My phone is... 
you know how much shit go on this. Go keep going, bro. So these are the same people right here that we're looking at on the screen that we're talking about that sold us out and didn't do anything and didn't leave us the roadmap for what to do. But what we see is they actually have Booker T. Washington once again in the middle of something else. National Business League. Business League. While they're starting schools and churches and this, that, and the third, this was the point. They also promote, you know, you know, Booker promoted STEM, yo. Yes, all the way. So his and he got a co business college, he got college, all that shit. Is like, he just like AJ Gaston? They called him Uncle Tom. He 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 started a business school. So why is it that all the Uncle Toms promote science and technology? Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, you know, we Uncle Toms, and then the niggas who talking shit be broke as a motherfucker. Man, that shit crazy, man. They got us all flip flopped out, bro. Right, because because authenticity with black people lies at the lowest common denominator. Real simple. Where do we say that's a real nigga? What are the attributes of that? He busts his gun, he <laughs> sells drugs. Listen to hear me out. He busts his guns, he sells drugs, he got a lot of chicks, and he the most violent or some capacity person in the hood, right? And we automatically yeah. crown him with that's a real nigga. Oh, he got in a shootout with Nookie and him down the street. So that's a real nigga. Yes. That's a that's a fact. Yeah, yes. A okay, nigga. so let's go on the other yes. side. So when the kid now on that same block or whatever opens up a successful business or graduates from college, is he called a real nigga? No. Called a sellout. There you go. So what I'm saying is authenticity for us is defined by the lowest common denominator. And we can't get above that because we now embraced it. They told us that this is what a real nigga is. And then we embraced it. And we define a real nigga by those attributes. Everybody else is not real. It's a sellout time or otherwise. Because that's not an authentic blackness. Right? Listen to how mm -hmm. we talk. Yo, that's a real nigga right there. Mm. We ain't never said that and nobody has done nothing like real good. Never. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but the square. No, it, it, it's the bit. It's the squares and the nerds, right? You know how you grow up being a square? Right. So I, what I had to do was I had to, and it's crazy, because let me, let, let me give it to you raw, right? I had to find a way to have a healthy balance, right? Because if you didn't have a healthy balance, motherfuckers would try to take advantage of your motherfucking ass. And so I prodded, a lot of you not, everybody I, I hung out with, we prodded ourselves on being intelligent and being a nerd, but would fuck your dumb ass up. Yeah. That was our motto. I wish you would. You know what I'm saying? Because we used to wear the Timberlands. That's, that, we wore Timberlands in an era where you get laughed at and joked because you're wearing the white boy shoes. And we wore the polos, the Timberland shoes with the grips on them. And I used to shop at American Eagle and shit. And they was like, look at these niggas, right? We wear the eyeglasses with no frames in them and the cardigan sweaters and shit. And, and, and the OP, you remember the Ocean Pacific shorts and shit? Yeah, that's that Maryland and D.C. stuff with them OP sets. Yeah, we, we used to wear that shit. But I know you we did. We've been in the hood. And so they was like, niggas used to try us for that. And we fuck niggas up. They come up to our neighborhood. We fuck their dumb asses up because they was the real niggas. And we wanted to prove that, get the fuck out of here. We could do the same shit you could do and better but we were smart. Meaning we hustled to, to, to get our money to go to college. That's the shit we did, right? We bought businesses and shit. So, it was this, so you're right. 
it's a hell of a mentality, right, in the fucking uh, community that make you say, you know, you're not slick if you read a book. We're going to take your money if you read a book and take advantage of you. Right? I think they call that shit bullying now. Yeah. Your yeah, ass definitely got bullied up for walking around with a lot of books and shit. And, that, and, and you're right, dude. That's a mentality that, 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 that's still live and kicking today. Like, you could just only be an athlete. You feel me? To get out the hood. You could, right. you, they don't tell you better off trying to get a scholastic scholarship to get out the hood than a goddamn sports scholarship. It, it's money's for that. So that mentality is, is dangerous as fuck, yo. You're right. A so real we, nigga. Real right, nigga, you on right. the real so, deal. So look, this is what this is what's good. So we talked about Booker T. Washington. Look how he flipped it on him. Because this is what happened to us when we came out of slavery. This is important to know. They married us to them same lazy nigga, thief, chicken stealing. All of the Popeyes thing this week ain't helping us with that. But anyway, chicken stealing, watermelon, that type of lowly uh, Negro, right? So Booker T. Washington, one thing I want to show right here, right? So as you can see, Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie, one of the richest people in the world, likens Booker T. Washington. Yes, they used the, the religious reference, but besides that, Andrew Carnegie is talking about homeboy, right? These are the people that he's he got to do business with to get shit built. So now when people go and look on certain campuses of black colleges, a lot of them will have a what? Carnegie Hall on it of some capacity. Why? Because those are the philanthropists that he had to do the deals with and play the game with to get the money to get the schools built. Right? Yeah, but that, I'm saying, uh -huh. but that's that's the point, though. It's not that that's not a problem, yo. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> I no one thinks that way. I'm not gonna take that nigga. That's the white boy money. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, like that's the bullshit. Like, come on, man. Sometimes they they gonna fund you better than your own people fund you because they stole all the fucking money. They got all the money. Right. So he goes and 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 does what he he says we need to stay where we are oh there's two things but one as far as the business is concerned we need to stay where we are and revolutionize farming why because you've been there for all these centuries and you will have a need where they will always need you in america why because you're feeding america and what we need to do is revolutionize the industry right but yeah. we said we said, no, I'm going to go to Baltimore and New York and Philly and Chicago because that's where the money is. But he was saying, take your things and make this what? Make all these what? Say North. Here, we're going to do this live. Let's, let's take one. North Carolina, A, and T. Let's just take one. Right? Mm. This is Black College, ain't it? Mm -hmm. North Carolina A and T, why mm -hmm. live and direct? What does it stand for? The first thing was agricultural and mechanical. He said, mm -hmm. "Stay on the farms." On uh, watch this, and revolutionize the industries. Mm -hmm. Right, that's your stem right there. Because mm -hmm. revolutionizing it was the technologies that was going that you would do it. That's why all of our colleges have what? A&T and A&M. Agricultural mm. and what's the T for? Technology, right? 
technical. Right there. Technical. It's right in the title. We talk, we yell about STEM. Look, here you go. Let's make it bigger. Right in the title. STEM. Why don't we 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 need to find out why these schools ain't producing more of the STEM people they talking about? These are black colleges. Because we run away from them. We don't go there. Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like I uh, you know, I, I I promote black colleges, right? Because based off the like my my younger daughter, she wanted to go to Harvard and Yale, right? That was the whole thing. And I was like, well, the truth is in college, you develop friendship, um, friendships and relationships, right? Uh, and, and and those people you develop your friendships and relationships with, you know what I'm saying? They're going to carry you, you know, through your paths. I said, but if you develop a whole lot of relationship with people who don't really want a relationship with you, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, you know, it's kind of mute at the end of the day. So, yeah, we need to support the black colleges, though. We really do. Says on yeah. March 1891, the Agricultural and Mechanical College for the Colored Race was established. We don't have a college right there. Now you 30 years off a of plantation and dude telling you stay on the farms or stay with agriculture, but revolutionize it, STEM, and you could be good. And these people will always need you in this country. Who do all the politicians start to pander to when it comes to the presidential season? The white farmers, do they not? The Midwest, yeah. and South, and all yeah. of those same farmers, do they not? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's why they took all they fucking land and moved them out. Wouldn't let them get the same loans that everybody was getting and shit. Mm -hmm. So then he goes and he makes books like this showing you. We act like this is what I'm saying. What the young boy was saying yesterday is we got to do a better job of showing them. Like, dude, you act like these people ain't doing nothing. The picture I'm showing you is these institutions where this one is making butter and we can find where they're making all type of stuff where we had it in place right in Baltimore, right in D.C., right in Philly, right in Muskogee, right in, you know, Mississippi somewhere. We got to ask ourselves what happened because we had it. The, the babies and the youth don't know that this stuff actually happened, that we actually had these schools and businesses and all of these things that we talking about. So they look around Baltimore and they think that's all that it was. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's not true though. We, because we only, we, like I said, it's propaganda. Yo, they don't give you. They're not gonna give you what you think they're supposed to give you. Oh, uh, here you go. This is what we're talking about. Lazy people's disease. This. Let's type Baltimore Black History. This is how we doing on my channel. We do this all day. We show we prove how lazy we. Hear what I said. We all are. I did it wrong, right? I put Baltimore right here. Boom. I went there. You see the things in purple. I already went there. Look, right here. We can easily do this and go to begin and find out the historic places in Baltimore if we wanted to. Why can't we do that? Somebody could have took a trip to someone, went down to Baltimore, went to Crabbin, and got them some Negro history and found out. Could have took a group of kids in Baltimore to go around the city and see all of these sites right here. So we don't have somebody come on here and say, that we don't, we ain't never do nothing there, huh? That's right there in their Penn Station. I know exactly what that's at. Yeah, that, okay. that statue look, right there. Gonna, gonna even better for you. Look at this. Wikipedia is garbage, though, right? Watch this. We're gonna go to which one? <laughs> we we'll go, we'll go to this one. We we'll go to two of them. We we'll go to this one. Watch right in front of your eyes, folks. All this stuff right here got to do with Negroes in Baltimore. 
every single one of these from Freddie Gray all the way down to the Baltimore Elite Giants baseball team, right? All the way down to the players and the whole bit right here. Negro League, Baltimore. Let's go back. Hold on. One more. One more. We'll go back. You could have went to the second link right here. Watch this now, folks. This is how we, we, all the lazy. This is what we got to teach the babies. Nigga, you lazy. What does this say right here, Unc? We can go century by century if they have the data to show you the African-American presence and what they were doing in Baltimore right here. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Hmm? Days back to the 17th century. Here you go. Here go the demographics. How many people... Okay, we're going to have fun with this right now. The hell with Garfield. Watch this. We're going to just stick in Maryland right now. Tell you all that's going on, the number of black people there, the percentage. We ain't left Wikipedia yet. 17. So I wonder why people think Wikipedia garbage, though. It gives you a lot of sources to start. You. I always say start with Wiki and end in the journals. Right. Like so look, we can start with Wikipedia right here. Oh, hey, it's black folks in Maryland. Look at this. We got the AME Church right there in Baltimore. Right there. Tell you the history. Manumission, how they got free, boom, boom. Why they were freeing them, so forth and so on. You will find out that Maryland was a place that people were running to because they started freeing people earlier. This is what you will find out. So the slavery that the young boys talk about does not really even exist in like that in Baltimore. This is why we got teaching these things. This is going to tell you what the Baltimore chemical, I mean, the Maryland chemical work. Why that was important, right? Huh? Mm -hmm. Right there in your town. That the young boy, you know, we got to be do a better job of telling them what we was doing during these periods. Go up, go up there where it say Baltimore was the city of refuge. Where they right. okay, we this. We're tight refuge. This is like I said. So this is had the church. This is the church now. They're talking about was a refuge for what? Haitian refugees during the revolution was going to Baltimore. But we'll get back up to your other question. All right, here you go. Baltimore was a city of refuge where who? Enslaved and who? Free black people. What are you talking about? Slaves. What are you talking about? He only know about, we only know about this part. We don't know that Baltimore <laughs> had what? Free right here. We only know about the slave part. So when he's talking to me, he only know about that first part. He didn't see after the end would have said so the free black people was doing something in baltimore what were they doing yeah it wasn't uncle tom it wasn't weak <laughs> it was building you know, is never the weak nigga tell you right you up there got a big ass church big ass church they was they was just doing nothing forget about it, that's the church along with the church came the school and the other organizations and this that and the third that it took to sustain black baltimore what are we talking about what you think they was doing? But we only know about the slave part. So what I was going to do, I could go to this right here real quick. Let me just do this. And I'm just going to type Maryland. And see, right here, looks this. In 1832, now this is important to history, huh? that you will find out that they start to make laws against those same free black people in Maryland. Why? Because they are catching wreck right here. And accolading to free Negroes, a specific act 
that they made. That after the passage of this act, no free Negro, this is 1832, this is 33 years before they told you it was free, they're making laws against free black people. They only make laws if you're doing something. All mulattoes shall immigrate, which means leave or settle in this state. Cannot live in the state of Maryland. He was kicking free black people out in 1832. Because they were doing all the stuff that we were just talking about with the building the churches and the schools and the organizations right there in Maryland. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? We got to do a better job, man. I'm telling you, they, they, the people be talking from crazy stuff and don't know what the hell they be talking about. <laughs> Look up just Maryland making laws against them. There you go, right here. So, what you're going to find, folks, let's do this one more time, is this is 1789 in Maryland where the, the slave people, that's what he was talking about. And they got organizations. Let me show you folks, gotta read carefully. This is 1789. They got a constitution of the Maryland Society for promoting the abolition of slavery and the relief of who? Free Negroes, folks. So what does that tell you? That there were free African people in 1789 in Maryland what is he talking about slaves just for? I ain't telling you slaves don't exist. What I'm telling you is he was doing a lot more because they're making laws and societies. I'm gonna put it real big and promote my class while it's dead here. Folks, 1789, bang, free people. More details available in the class. But anyway, this is just in Maryland to prove my point. But yes, he's right. We need to take this to the hood. I could show them right in the street. Compton to wherever. Still going? You know, folks know how my channel go. They let me rock. I rock for a minute here. Who's in the chat right now? What's going on? Y'all there, folks? Yeah, y'all saw that. What up? Who else we got here? What else we need to talk about, folks? Every black person wasn't enslaved. That's right, knowledge born. Let's go. White guards in the state houses, fingertips, right? The laws. We got any questions out there, folks? Welcome to the true story and takeover of the Dagger Squad channel. Um, um, we're going to answer all these questions. That's right, Maryland and in the house. Any other states that I should look at? Come on, we're going to play the Wu-Tang game. Y'all just start out, shout out states, and I'll see if I can show you all these free black people and what was going down. What's up? Shout out to all my Caribbeans once again. Happy Sock Posse weekend. Um, Louisiana. Do I got it's Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania is easy. Annapolis, Maryland. All right. Yeah, I like this game. Hold on, y'all. Y'all still see my screen? Hold on. I'm only going to do this. If I, 
Yeah, so they're over there playing. It's the true story. And, and um, when he could join in, take over the Dagger Squad channel. Somebody said some states. We're going to see what I got. Trial. I don't know what they're doing. That's Garfield Hayden. Annapolis. No, somebody said Pennsylvania. So Pennsylvania is easy. It's Pennsylvania is ground zero. So look. Trial. What do we want from Pennsylvania? We're gonna say African. We're gonna play this one. See what Trial. we got. Search chat. So in Pennsylvania, watch this, Philly. Look at this, Philly. Here go, here go. Somebody said some more eyeballs. That's how we're gonna kill this with one stroke right here. Since somebody said Pennsylvania. This is from 1794. 1794, folks. I want to get this as big as I possibly can. 1794. What do they have in Trial. An African church. Dang. See that? That's as big as I can make it. In this is September 4th, 1794. Twenty-something years after America is even founded. Trial. What does it say? The what? African Church of the City of Philadelphia. Guns are blazing. Did we call ourselves African? Yes. Trial. 1794, and I got stuff going back even further. This is your primary. All those in the class know that they're going to have. But right here, what do you mean they didn't call themselves African? Huh? <laughs> so somebody said Philly. Trial. Did I take care of Philly? What else? Somebody said something about Louisiana, New Orleans. What we got? What we got? What we got from New Orleans? What's a good one? Trial. Okay, we got one. Here goes something interesting about New Orleans. Drape Domania. Y'all know people put Drape Domania in there. You want to see what they were talking about with Drape Domania? You know what this is? Trial. So, since we are requested to say that the report by Dr. Samuel A. Cartwright, Trial. we're going to look at this closely. This is 1851. We are requested to say that the report by Trial. Dr. Samuel A. Cartwright on a disease peculiar to Negroes in this climate will be delivered this evening at the medical college on the Common Street. It has been prepared with much care Trial. and pursuance of an appointment made, blah, blah, blah. So what we're going to do is, remember that name, Samuel Cartwright. Now it's going to make Trial. sense for people going around and, and seeing this word everywhere. Drape Tomania. Let's see what he was giving a lecture Trial. on. Samuel Cartwright, as you can see. What is Drape Tomania? A mental illness that they said um, cause enslaved Africans Trial. to free, flee captivity, to free themselves, in essence, is a mental illness. Do you realize that? Trial. To illness, Jake Domania, for what? Africans trying to free themselves. <laughs> this is this guy. So this is that Drake Domania is when you see it all over your whatever, internet memes and all that. That's that doctor, and he made up another one called Rascality, too. Let me see if they put that in here. No. 
Rascality was the other uh, disease that black people had. Rascality. Samuel. Cartwright. Yeah, that's how we do it over in the NBK channel. We do it all live so you can see it live. And Trial. Here you go. Rascality. I just did this wrong. This is another one by Trial. Samuel. Um, Cartwright, folks. You can, hear, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. I can hear you now. Jump in here anytime, huh? I don't want to hog all the air time. I can hear you. No, you rocking. Y'all don't want to stop. Example of pseudoscience. So this is, <laughs> yeah, this is the way. Okay, so you like this part. This is the guy, Samuel Carwright. He's a doctor. He makes up two things that he says black people have, right? Trial. The first one is called drapedomania. So let's go back to drapedomania. Um, right? Trial. So uh, he has this pseudoscience that says black people have a mental illness. You see Trial. that? And the mental illness is when they try to free themselves from slavery. You see that? He might be going again. I got the background of going child. Somebody should mix that in there. Child. What is it? Trial. Doom, doom. Trial. I got to time it. I'm going to do that. So, anyway, Samuel Cartwright is doing this, folks. So, he has drapedomania. Um, jump, trial. Trial. Um, the other one is called Rascality. Welcome to the True Story and Take uh, from MBK on the Dagger Squad channel. So he has this one called rascality, and rascality is what they describe as your laziness. These were sciences that they had for people. And what does it do? Trial. Watch this carefully, folks. Found exclusively among African Americans, dystasia ethiopica, which is that Ethiopian, right? Ethiopica, right? Called by overseers, rascality was characterized by partial insensitivity of the skin and so great a heptude of the intellectual faculties as to be like a person half asleep. Other symptoms included lesions of the body discoverable to the medical observer, which are always present. Cartwright noted that the existence of Ethiopia was clearly established by the most direct and positive testimony, blah, 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 blah. Basically, they could whip it out of you. How is it? It was curable if treated on sound psychological principles. Insensitivity of the skin was one to one symptom of the disease, so the skin should Trial. be cured. Folks, I need people to listen to this part. So your laziness could be cured. And the cure for it was what? The best means to stimulate the skin is first to have the patient well washed with warm water and soap, then to Trial. It all over in oil and to slap the oil in with a broad leather strap and to put the patient to some kind Trial. of work in the sunshine. And then they would whip you. That was the trial for your laziness. Huh? Don't believe me? The ever resourceful Dr. Cartwright trial. that whipping could cure this disorder. Trial. So the disease for lazy Negroes was scientifically said to slap some Trial. oil in your body and whip you. So anyway, that's one of the lectures that was taking place in colleges by this dude 
Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. So, yeah, so all that you was kicking right now, that was part of the whole scientific trial. Yes. But people yes. are actually trying to do that against us. But what they're not recognizing is the very fact that we even recognize it is it, it was some scientific racism, trial. right? Overturned that was people like Charles Darwin, okay? Charles Darwin, uh, Albert Churchwood. These are the people trial. that uh, Dr. Ben, John Henry Clark talked about. Uh, actually, John Henry Clark wrote when, when they got the reprint of Albert Churchwood's work, uh, Premodal uh, Signs and Symbols. Signs and Symbols, um, yeah. yeah uh, John Clark trial. actually wrote the forward. And so they was trying to show us the whole gamut of science because they understood who Booker T was. They understood who all the fucking people you just mentioned. And they understood scientific, right? But trial. Understand scientific racism is to actually understand how scientific racism was overturned. It wasn't overturned with niggas on the sideline talking shit. It was overturned by scientists. This is a very, Trial. very crucial important point to know. If we did not have science on the case, you know what I'm saying? They still think he was a goddamn gorilla or somebody. <laughs> so science changed that. And science proved that that guy you just mentioned was out of his damn mind. And his whole idea was racist. That's based off the science. Yeah, yeah, and so they make um, trial. I'm trying to find. They make a couple of books. You want that book? You said. I said you've been reading up a little bit, huh? No, 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 no. I don't read. Let me get off of that screen real quick. No, no, no. I don't know nothing. I don't know what you're talking about, but so to your point, they make this also, right? They make this one at the same time, around the same Trial. time. It's called the Negro of Beast, right? And mm -hmm. so here goes scientific racism with religion. Let me see if it loads properly. Look how they got What's us the on the cover. The Negro of Beast. That's how they got you on the cover. It's going to be real interesting. Garfield Trial. and his stuff made in the image or made in the image of God, right? So we're going to go through this, folks. You're going to have fun with this. This is this. Also, this scientific racism. We're going to do two things. We're going to look through this real quick. And I'm going to show you what scientific racism leads to live and direct. All right. While that loads, we're going to go back over here. Watch this, folks. This is a better example of your scientific racism. Watch this. Trial. This is what happens when trial comes into now we're gonna go to the one right from the day 1904 what we got here trying to find this missing link and playing this game leads to them trial. putting a black man taking him from africa as you can see and having him live in the bronx zoo mm -hmm. this is what it did this his name is trial. this is from 1904 and so people like this go to try to validate these crazy theories of theirs, looking for this mystery. Right? Mm. Mm. Oh, wait, let me go back. Oh, man. Damn. Uh, here you go. Let me You're going to love this. Y'all going to love this. Y'all got me at the right day. Let's start with Barnum, right? Trial. 
There you go. And Barnum gives you this dude. Trial. The pinhead as the missing link. <laughs> so they try to go because Darwin and all this stuff, they're trying to just say, okay, all these missing links. <laughs> so they're finding. So, no, serious. So they're finding these things, these people with these uh, um, abnormalities and calling them the missing link. And his name was, I'm trying to find a better picture. His name was, who is it? Trial. And he was this um, trial uh, missing link that they have. So then, when it comes later, we're gonna go back to. I'll get to who is it in a second. We're gonna go back to how we're going real time. Now they got they got old time banger. But then they have a movie that comes. Who keeps saying child? That's Garfield. That's Garfield. That's not me. That's Garfield. Trial. Garfield crazy yo. He hating. That's what it is. That's what it is. Okay, hold Trial. on. That shit is crazy. Come on, Garfield, turn that shit off. Hating. Trial. So look, huh? This is what they do. They make a movie. You gotta look at this. This is the video I got. All right, challenge it. They make a movie saying that it they come from the fact that they found the missing link, and it's Trial. a gorillas. In Africa, that had this is recepted as science that have that um, an African woman is sacrificed to them once a year and they have children with them. This was the movie that came out in the movie theaters that was supposed to see, supposed to be science before they found out it was fake. Was it was recommended by college professors and everything. This is what came before King Kong. This is the this was what scientific racism was doing, yo. You see this mm. shit? It's called mm. Inkai. This is some real, <laughs> real movie. Yeah, you know, we gotta do like a like a double part to that, yo. You do the early stages of it, scientific racism, yo, and then we clean it up, yo. That shit right. crazy, right there. Right. This is real. People need to. Uh, there's a video <laughs> on our channel telling you about it. Go to it. This is an actual movie. Before this is what this movie was the was like the first million dollar movie. Um, and then it got so popular that they made King Kong, but they found out this one was fake after a while. See, National Natural History Mix, Dr. William Gregory, Professor of Vertebrate Paleontology at Weir, Columbia University, who reviewed the film, reports to the business that the Ngagi includes a good deal of genuine natural history. Right? Real field pictures of elephants, blah, 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 out of a series of unnatural thrillers. Among the many features that gave me the impression of being false were this. But this is this is afterwards. And it first comes out, they, they say it's a real movie that they went into the wilds of Africa. Actually, y'all feel shit. I'm gonna play the video on my from my channel, right? It's only like two minutes. Hold on, folks. Just bear with me one second. The hoodie done. I don't forgot the name of the video. What did I name it? Monkey business, right? I think. Watch this. This is important for people to see since we're talking about this scientific racism. Watch this, folks. 
walk away because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. In 1933, the movie King Kong was released by RKO Pictures, becoming one of the greatest money makers for the studio. The plot revolved around a giant gorilla who falls in love with the white woman and is killed trying to keep her. But did you know? In 1930, a movie premiered at the Orpheum Theater in Oakland, California that would have the country in a frenzy. This film, produced by Congo Pictures Limited, was named Ngagi. Ngagi, shown as the real-life exploration of Sir Hubert Winstead and Captain Daniel Swain into the interior of equatorial Africa, referred to as Guerrilla Country. Winstead was in search of the missing link. Equipped with the full assortment of camera and sound recording equipment for the expedition, the project was revolutionary for its time. The American public had a growing interest in foreign lands, especially Africa, due to the success of works like Edgar Rice Burroughs' book, Tarzan of the Apes. Few foreigners had managed to penetrate equatorial Africa's interior, and this film was said to provide a real-life look into what was described as the very heart of darkness. The movie, marketed as an educational film, was even recommended by Yale University professors. After penetrating the interior, the expedition discovered a tribe of African women who lived among gorillas. Each year, after an elaborate ceremony, one of the women is given to the gorillas as a companion and sex slave. A scene in the documentary shows the African women taken behind a bush and having sex with the simian. Winstead was thought to have found the origin of the missing link between man and animal. As theaters began to show the movie around the country, Ngaki grew to be the largest grossing film of that time, making over $1 million. A few months after the film's release, grumblings had started to emerge about its authenticity. Sharp-eyed viewers noted some of the African women had vaccination marks on their arms and legs. One of the women in the tribe also looked familiar. She turned out to be a black woman from Central Avenue in Compton who had shaved her head. The Pygmies were found out to be little black children from Compton. Hilton Phillips, from also from Compton, blew the whole secret open when he sued for not being paid for donning a gorilla suit and playing scenes in Ngagi as the gorilla. It also was revealed that most scenes were filmed on a lot in California, <laughs> and some of the African tribe were actually white women in blackface. Although Ngagi was revealed as a hoax and banned by some theaters, it was still seen as an educational movie about Africa and went on to become a blockbuster. The success of Ngagi led RKO to create the movie King Kong, one of the top movies in cinematic history. In that regard, Ngagi became the father of King Kong. Ngagi is thought to be a lost film. No videos of it have been seen. Allegedly, the Library of Congress holds nitrate prints of the movie. Maybe a copy is out there and is not being shown for other reasons. Maybe. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. In 1940, Son of Ngagi was released. Although not a sequel, Son of Ngagi was the first science fiction horror film with an all-black cast. 
but that's another true story. So my point is, that's what they was doing, yo. They was putting us in the in the uh, zoo for one, and then making movies saying that the missing link was these gorillas they found. When when did yeah. you first oh, my join fault, my fault. the Latin King? These these uh, gorillas that they found. Now tell me that ain't crazy. No, that's part of the whole deal. And 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 I know that's part of but niggas don't even stay that hard to be hating science that much. But I can see why people wouldn't like science, right? But but I, what they don't understand is is a double-edged sword that you cannot afford not to have it. Uh you got you got people on the continent of Africa forging fire, you know what I'm saying, fucking million years ago. You, you know what I'm saying? This is an innovation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. you can't, like, you don't even get to this place right here without engineering and science. You know, mm -hmm. rudimentary science, basic science. You know, like, like, like your first medicines was human beings experimenting with plants and shit. You, you feel me? Yes, sir. You, I mean, like, you just don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, like, like, people think that you look at a fucking plant and it'll tell you whether it's poisonous or not. Nah, it take, it take the plant women or the plant men to actually study that shit and realize, you know, what what was good for poison. You feel me? So they think a nigga just grab the plant and start using it. No, that's not how it works. They go alive and direct you know what example. Yo, I get it. They go alive and direct example. Right here. This is what's happening. So the scientific nuttiness is leading to people defining, this is your, your lookership at its finest. This woman is... <laughs> He trying to prove that she not a Negro. This is 1915. Look what they're doing. They're looking at skull sizes. Yeah, that's based off. Yeah. They're looking at nostrils. Yeah. They're looking at hairs. The section of white man's skin and black man. Look. Distressing predicament of Miss Alma Little, whose husband charges her with having Negro blood and who finds science unable to say positively whether he is right or wrong in spite of her fair complexion and golden skin. Yeah, see, so they back then they was squabbling with race and trying to tell who could you do it. See, right? Live example, of what you're talking about? Yeah, mm -hmm. they got look, they he got he said his wife was a nigger, Negro. I'm sorry, and she said she had Nick, he said she had Negro blood, and she's saying she don't. They don't got it so far, they trying to look at this craziness. By the foot, this is a white person's foot, because they supposedly have high arches, which is characteristic of the white race. Look at the black person's foot. Watch, um, watch. Why they got our feet looking like that? Impressions of the feet of a Negro, flat and hugging the ground closely at every point. This is 1915. Look at this. They said these are black feet. This is scientific racism live and direct. This is these are black feet, and they got the ones with the high arch. <laughs> her husband seeks a divorce on the ground that her mother was a full-blooded Negro. She insists she is pure white descent, but has been unable to bring forward any scientific proof that she is white. <laughs> yeah, that nigga's stupid. That's scientific racism. Hmm? Yeah, he just ain't. Fuck with him. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't trying to mess with her, yo. 
He said, yo, she back. I got this. Post this picture. I want to know if you see it. I can't find on my hard drive. Hey, can you guys hear me? Now we can. Yeah, I had to sign in from my iPhone. I don't know what's going on, man. I, I don't know. I don't know really what's going on with my Mac or whatever, but I was unable to talk from my main. But keep doing, man. Y'all doing y'all thing. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to interrupt y'all flow. You know what I'm saying? This is a good cipher. It's a good 5% cipher going on right now. Right. <laughs> you got that free shit. Fucking that shit be crazy, yo. So this is the all of the stuff they was trying to do on I gotta see the pictures too when they was trying to lay Darwin and this monkey thing and the whole bit. I gotta see the pictures. Yeah, they made Darwin a monkey. He, he one of the first niggas they was calling a monkey. So this is they was doing. So they took the expression that black people were saying. Let me show you what they did. Actually, this is a good one. So you, you can see my screen, right? This expression right here, am I a man and a brother, comes out of the abolition movement in the early 1600s, 1700s starts, but 1800s, they use it, right? So the abolition movement picks it up. You know, Darwin's family has roots in being part of the abolition movement, right? So when he comes out with this whole Darwin, his writings or whatever, they start saying that he's basically a friend to the niggas and he's half nigger and that whole bit. So they create Monkeyana, as you can see, and they got this as am I a man and a brother. The key to that is like I'm saying is this is the symbol of the abolition society that I was talking about from the 1800s. Am I not a man and a brother? And he's got the dude with the chains on his knee. So they're trying to tie him and us being these monkeys, as they're saying it, and things like this. That picture I showed you with with this. Am I not a man and brother using the same language? You see, that's what was going on at that time. And that's how this thing gets kind of twisted with now they're saying that Africans is monkeys and gorillas and all that stuff like that. You can hear me, right? Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, so <clears throat> so Darwin was definitely among some of the first people to get, I mean, to get get depicted as a damn monkey. Yeah. See that right there? Mm -hmm. So most people don't even recognize that. And so now you got to realize how Darwin, at the end of the day, was really a champion for, 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 for the human race starting in Africa. And so now you see why Dr. Ben and them really, you know, promoted Darwin. Because he, he and Albert Churchwood, right, who was a Victorian scientist, Actually, were the first to to talk about uh, Africa being the uh, birthplace of humanity. Before that point, it was the Asiatic black man. Remember that? Yeah. Or or, or, or Piltdown man in Europe, which actually speaks to the missing link thing. So I want everybody to know that scientists don't use the missing link. The missing link was when they thought it was a lineal perspective on evolution. When they thought it was a straight line type of thing, right? And so they say the missing link. And they found all these different bullshit ass missing link, and you just showed it. And then they came up with Piltdown Man, which was a fraud, right? You can look in the Journal of Nature from 19, no, eight, yeah, 1910, right, when they published the Piltdown Man thing. But, but, but if you look in the journal in 1910, they also had some people talking about how that was really a hoax and it wasn't real. Right. So once again, yo, you need science. No matter how they fucked it up, accurate. Matter of fact, this really proves the point for education in science, that we just can't sit back 
and let them run the goddamn thing. You in trouble. Right. I agree. So Barnum's thing. That's funny, like this zip. No, so before <laughs> zip, it was this thing. Uh, it was called what? What is it? And he, he went on tour and the whole bit. I'm trying to see if they show that. So they're not showing the pictures. I gotta see if I got it on my joint. Um. But yeah, it was called what is it? And then it went to zip the pinhead and then all the other ones. But that was that, you know. They took some some kid, black kid, in a lot of cases who was like, I, you know, was retarded or whatever, and um, did that to him. On um, and that's terrible, yo. Oh, Barnum, there was the king of that. So Barnum starts that. Yeah, he, we took our damn kids to that shit, man. Huh? New. So look, okay, you want to see the other Barnum thing? You want to get really mad? Let me show you live with directed this one. Here you go. This is going on in the 32, right? Says right here, real small, says Monster Mouth Ubenge Savages. This is at Ringing Brothers and Barnum Valley, right? Monster Mouth and Ubenge yeah. Savages. Who are the Ubenge Savages? Speaking of this whole scientific racism thing once again. Hold on. Let's go see, because I got a picture of them in the ad. There we go. Here they go. Here they go. There you go. Yeah, we spent out on that bullshit ass shit, man. That's some there bullshit, you. yo. See that? Some of them did that shit. They still got bomb and belly circles. Yeah, they still got bomb and belly circles. But they get in trouble because they can't use animals anymore. So I bet you they go back to exploiting people of some kind again. Because you know you can't do nothing to the poor elephants. I don't. Know? I don't think that, sir. I don't think they exist anymore, bro. They stopped a couple years ago. Barnum and Bailey. I think they stopped. I remember when the guy had got bitten up by the lion or the tiger or whatever. I think like a year after that they stopped. Here we go, right here. Ringling.com. Two thousand seventeen says, "Yep." The last days of American franchise. Yeah, 2017. And the last dude they had was a black master of ceremonies. Hmm. Who was dressed like a minstrel. Do I need to go into that? But I ain't gonna do it right now. <laughs> what you got, Garfield, son? Welcome to the uh, True Story and the Unk Takeover. You know what I mean? We call it A&T, actually. Speaking of A&T University, this is A&T University, Ark and Truth University. Welcome. All those are tuning in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got a black... <laughs> Bonnie, the niggas is crazy, yo. You know what I mean? That's how we do it. <clears throat> Any questions? Oh, man. Can, you, can you guys hear me? Oh, you? Yeah, we can hear you. All right, cool. Are y'all done now? Can I lock off the show? You got other people on here, look like, don't you? What are all these other things on here? Nah, that's me and Uncle that extra files, extra profile. Oh, hold on. Before you log off, are there any further, any other further questions? You got any questions for Unc while we're here? Let me just handle it. Does any questions for Unc before we leave? Yeah, I think that shit was pretty smooth. Hold on, before you guys go, Don La, let me just explain something to you, brother. If you want to believe 
that Hebrews are Egyptians and Egyptians. Okay, yeah. On that note, brother, I'm going to say a good day. If you want to believe that, bro, you could go ahead and believe. But uh -uh. make sure when you're in my chat, you're respectful. That's all I ask for. Just show some respect. All right? And you know what's wrong? Um, What's wrong with disagreeing? People disagree with your information. Why everybody feel like their information is the best? Mine is superior. It can't be wrong. Come on, man. The dude said, he said that some Egyptian pharaoh in the in the 18th dynasty is, is Joseph. Who said that? Who said the that? in the chat. Don Law. I'm like, man, you kick his dumb ass out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> dumb as a door, no, man. Shut up. Joseph ain't even a damn Egyptian name. Shut up. It's crazy. Egyptian with an American name. <laughs> hey, <y 'all> <laughs> <laughs> an Egyptian with an American name. Joseph. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Mm, 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 mm. Hey, dude, yeah, dude, it's crazy, yo. Craziness, yeah, crazy. but yeah, we've been off for four hours, man. So we gon' 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 we